home audio entertainment. 9016 Radio. The show for artists of all kinds. Sit down and relax. Enjoy the music. Happy Chinese New Year. Yes, indeed. Year of the, what is it? The ox. Um, Do you know yeah. what your Chinese sign is? Um, sign? Is I think it's uh, rat. I'm the rat too. What is your birth? What is oh, your birth? Okay, month? mine isn't it. Mine, mine might be the pig. What What is your star sign? Cancer. Cancer. I actually don't know the translation, or I didn't know why. Cancer I said that. by one day. I always get told by people, you're like, you're not real cancer. You can claim to be this or that because you're within the threshold the one day threshold I'm like Pff, what what because on my my birthday is the 23rd of june right and the first day to be a cancer <clears throat> is the 22nd of june right so sometimes i run into people they're like oh you know just claim that you're the one before cancer which is what gemini why why would you want to be a gemini i don't know you're you're definitively a cancer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. The, the I why, I why have I a threshold of dates for a sign if you're not going to be? Well, I'm not blaming blame to you. I'm just no, saying I know. It's silly to say. I know. Why would depends, you just claim another one that you're not part of? Depends how much credence. There was a, there way. was a layover that I know the star signs had changed like not too long one, right? ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure whoever was a Leo became. I, I think, don't actually know the order. I think that's what people were trying to say is that because that one came into place, that I had been pushed. Forward, a star sign oh, or see. back a star sign. So there had been a change around that. Yeah. So you're a pig. <laughs> Man, I'm out of this podcast <laughs> right now. No. Um. Yeah, I think so. Do you know the significance of Chinese? I used to. I used to know it a lot when we went over it in school, and um, you know, just people would talk about it. But I'd be lying if I said I did. Now, it sort of slipped me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty I'm sure I'm a pig. Yeah, what 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 does it mean when it's the year of something? I don't actually. Someone know. was telling me recently, like as part of the like when it's a certain year, a certain time of year around Chinese New Year, like families are super. Actually, I think it was my flatmate Joe, new flatmate Joe, that was telling me that, like there's it's just a super super celebratory time. Like obviously, it's the same for us when it gets to like Christmas New Year and stuff. It's just it's sort of the holiday period, but like. It, like people always have like fam- like tons of family over and they make like super nice meals. This doesn't sound anything. I don't even know where the story is going. This sounds exactly like what we do. Oh, yeah. No, what is the Chinese New Year for where it does now? Is I it just how they come Honestly, wish so, I could tell you. I, I used to know all of this information <clears throat> and I don't it's anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It must, it, yeah, it would have something to do with the way that they, you know, the calendar worked or... I, don't. I was watching this interesting video. I don't know why this reminded me of that, but how the meter was made. Do you know how the meter came about to be the meter? The meter. Yeah, like, like our metric France. system meter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It was, it was something to do with the the distance that light travelled per second, I don't know, relative to what. But these two dudes had ended up like walking across the length of this continent. I feel like the graph that was shown looked like they went from the like the top of the North Pole to the equator, but I don't think that's possible because there's no land no. that covers that whole thing. But they'd walked like the length of this country to figure out some sort of distance using like this meter that they to had figure out the made up. Yeah, but it's just crazy how because the I think the equation didn't actually work out to be anything super accurate. Like it was still like if you were to measure what they had based the meter on now, I don't think it would be at all like what a meter actually turned out to be but it's just weird that like a meter turned out to be just a meter mm. like 
you pretty much just make up a unit of measurement and show it to everyone. Like back in those times, if you've come up with a way of like measuring stuff, yeah, people would just be like, okay, well, we'll just start measuring things like that. Yeah. I can't believe that America does not use the metric system. That's because fuck you absurd. and everything you stand for. We're doing our own thing. Oh, I thought you were That's, saying fuck me. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> fuck you, but also the the oh, no. So, <laughs> so many people come in at my job, and a huge part of like what I do in my job is selling things that are sold in either metric or imperial sizing and so many times like someone needs an imperial size or like an equivalent to something metric and it's like a 532 or like a mm. 52 64th of like an inch and it's like what the fuck like yeah. the inches and even something like easy to go off to start with and then you're gonna make it into fractions like yeah it's funny because like you know kgs and grams and and you know meters and centimeters and stuff that's all that all makes sense it's a very very broadly makes sense it, but i started to understand the like you know pounds to to kg sort of system you know like meters to feet sort of thing that americans commonly use so that one isn't as bad for me but that's that comes from watching like the nba and mm-hmm. boxing and other things sporting things and whatnot but the stupid one is like stone things like that like in yeah. like in britain when people are like you know you know i got up to 14 stone it's like <laughs> okay you you weigh as much as fourteen stones. Like what what is that actually yeah. like? What is it? Is what it actually one. is a stone? Like I know I'm probably sounding like an you know. Well, that was kind of my kind of my point with the meter is that it wasn't really it's not really derived off anything. Like it was supposed to be based off something that made sense. Like it was supposed to be, excuse me, it was supposed to be a, a measurement of something that was based off a figure given from Earth. Yeah. So I think it was something to do with like how many how far light travels in a second or something. Obviously, that's not a meter because that would be much further than that. But I forgive me, I've forgotten all the information <laughs> received from the video. But that's what it was. And it's silly to say like a stone or like a foot, you know, because a foot's yeah. not a really a foot length because everyone's foot is different. Yeah. And also, I think part of what the original meter was me- measured off before it was the meter it is now was based off like your length of your forearm, so like it's up to your fingers. And obviously, it's different for everyone, so it made no sense to have that. Mm-hmm. But like the original like metal meter that they had made had just like carried on through all these other people like trying to equate what a meter should be used as or it was at least all based off this original meter that had been produced yeah but it just makes so much more sense to calculate things to a hundred than it does to yeah and i guess the stone thing probably comes from like you know medieval times when the first stone that was picked up like like, you know literacy rates and comprehension just aren't things they're like How much do you weigh me, Lord? I don't know. <laughs> weigh, Five weigh me in stones. Fifty stones. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't, what is a stone equivalent? Fifty stones would be is an heaps? enormous human being. That would be. I don't know if what anybody has stone? ever been fifty stone. I don't know. I think. Uh, well, if you're fourteen stone, and you were like five foot ten or whatever, or five foot nine, you're overweight. I think. So I would guess that a stone is probably roughly like. Eight or nine kgs, maybe. I don't know. I was going to say more like twenty or thirty, but no, twenty depends. or thirty for one stone. Well, I'm if trying you're to think fourteen of, of like those. How how it depends how you define. <laughs> yeah, well, def- depends how like how heavy you consider a super yeah. super heavy person. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because you can have an extravagantly obese person. But that would be yeah. Extreme if, case if you were scenario, over if you were over one hundred and fifty kgs, yeah. you're and and you're not this is not you're not muscularly, you know. You're not muscular, or you you're not tall. That you'd probably be considered quite yeah, fat. Yeah. 
I I think the only time that I've seen or measured measured anything in stone, my grandparents had a yeah, a, a stand that had stone yeah. on it, and I think I was like six or eight, six or seven stone at the time I'd measured it, which meant ah. nothing, next to nothing to me. Well, that Carries Bay Hotel I know has one. At, well, I don't know if they still do, but that's one of the few times I've ever seen one measured in stone. That one's pretty old. Must yep. be from the early 1900s. Yeah. Someone was trying to explain to me how knots are important in when you're measuring like speed on a boat. Yeah. And I still can't really understand it. Well, like why you have knots instead of just like kilometers per hour and miles well, per hour. Well, it's just a different speed equivalent. And it was also just a, uh, it's a different measurement. And it's about weight dispersion and, um, yeah, like tide and, yeah, and water the shape of the hull and, and like just there's a whole bunch of variants. I mean, with a car, most cars traditionally have four wheels yeah. and are driving on roads, whereas a boat or a ship can have all kinds of different tonnage and can the sh- the hull can be shaped differently and the weighting and the complacement and all kinds of different yeah. things. <clears throat> Did you watch any America's Cup? Because that was I don't like the America's Cup. No. I, I've I, I've got this strange. The strange thing with the America's Cup, because I was in Auckland four weeks ago and our friend Cam was, you know, telling me about how he was quite enjoying, because his primary school teacher finishing up his class and then going down to the viaduct to watch the the America's Cup. And I can understand that. Like that would, it would be quite cool. Something a bit different, whatever. But there's just this weird sort of middle to like, you know, middle lower class feeling that I have mm. about the whole funding of the America's Cup and the way that the American America's Cup is portrayed. It just feels like a very exclusive sport to me. It always has. And I don't – it's weird because I feel, you know, hypocritical for feeling that way about it because a lot of sports are exclusive in the, in, in the sense that you need to go and approach them to even be involved with them anyway. But the America's Cup seems to be uh, – an affluent person's idea it seems of to a be pastime. Some, some weird relation between boats and rich people. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but, but you're right. It does seem like an elite style sport that is only sort of spectated by a certain. I just disagree with it in the sense. Well, not disagree with it. I just I remember you know talking about this with people where you know New Zealand wins the America like, won the last one. Obviously, we're hosting it now, and people are like, "Oh, that means you know that the government is going to be providing more funding for." this to be hosted in New Zealand and yada, yada, and more money is going to be putting into yachting nationwide. And that part of it is logical, but it still kind of annoyed me. But then other people would be like, oh, you know, but how come, you know, why don't you apply the same judgment to rugby or whatever? Mm. But to me, rugby, any rugby game has 30 people on a field at any one time, and that's one field. Mm. And there's thousands of those across New Zealand and then there's like club rooms, so there's people involved in the club rooms. Just speak, it just is a more encompassing sport in New Zealand and it's more accessible to everyone because you just yep. need your body. For sure. And that's why it's obviously taken on. There's literally an arena built around accommodating people yeah. to watch this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm not like a not like a, a rugby fanatic in the sense that I'm like, oh, you know, the fabric of this country is built on rugby. <laughs> How do you challenge it? <laughs> Because I don't like anything can be critically analyzed. Whatever, there's definitely a lot of negative things that come about from that relationship. But to me, rugby is still more accessible, obviously, than than the America's Cup is, and I don't think that'll ever change. There's nothing that can make that change for me. You know, like yeah. the the sort of the come up story in the last America's Cup race was, you know, just 
followed in the news like, oh, you plucky New Zealand's winning this. It's like, yeah, but really this is a ship built overseas with mm. like the investment money of a bunch of different people that aren't even really based here that are only in it to, I don't know, it just, it's just it's just weird. It just has, has a lot of intrinsic things on, on like the kind of periphery involved yeah. with it that just doesn't like sit well with me because it doesn't seem very upfront, you know, like sure. there's a lot of, messed up things that happen with the way that rugby is ingrained in this country in terms of, you know, people committing crimes and then being led away with them or being un like unpunished because it's like, oh, we we don't want to mess up this young man's rugby career, even though he's, you know, been raping people or whatever. That part of it is definitely wrong. But at least there's a sort of upfront honesty about how, you know, um sort of impactful rugby is or a sport of that kind of caliber just nationwide there's there's a lot of employment that comes from it all the time and it's not just a a thing that happens once every four years that sometimes New Zealand is good at and we all suddenly are supposed to support it and be like hurrah hurrah and then you know or every other year we suck and then people are but I guess that's the nature of sports you know it's like now the black caps people are very on board the black caps like this is the best the black caps have played potentially ever like they're top of the world they're, they're actually cracking it at the moment but that doesn't seem to be shifting the cultural balance of how people feel about it. Whereas I feel like because the America's Cup is so heavily influenced by money and grants and media exposure because they know that that's what the rich want to see, then that seems to be just taking a lot more spotlight than it probably should for how impactful it is for the average New Zealander. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm probably rambling anyway. No, it's good though because I don't know. Would you be saying different, I suppose, if you were so enthusiastic about the sport? For you sure. Know, like, can you translate a lot of what you feel about that to rugby? I like understand. Yeah. Like, it's there's a huge amount of money that goes into it. Like, do do we do pretty well on the America's Cup? Like, do we typically come out on top, or nah, is it typically nah, America? No, no, no. It's not. It's not America. America doesn't win very often at all. Oh, okay. Um, but it's something that, like, it's obviously televised to no end here like I never yeah. not hearing about the American it's Cup. big in New Zealand well you know Auckland is the city of sales and right. the the way that Auckland is topographically and geographically and the way that the middle class and the upper class have kind of developed in Auckland there used to be a stat I don't know what it is now but I think back in the you know the 70s 80s sort of thing every like one in every three Aucklanders had a boat of some kind so that's kind of built into the fabric of you know the America's Cup and whenever they actually do do anything to do with racing yachts or boats in New Zealand it is always centred in Auckland because of the harbour and the location and the size of the city. But traditionally, no. I mean, that's why it's a big deal when New Zealand suddenly wins and we're hosting it because if you win the previous one, you get to host the next one. So that's why we won the last one sort of on the come up kind of shockingly or whatever, or you know, as the underdog. So we're going to host it. But right. other times it's hosted in Italy or San Diego – in America and things like that. It's interesting. It's just, it's just always been sort of a weird one because I can't, I found it difficult to put a wrap on it because it's not like a world, it's not like a rugby world cup. It's basically the equivalent of a yachting world cup, except in a rugby world cup or a football world cup or a basketball world cup or a netball world cup, whatever. The countries are the countries. Mm. They, they are who they are. You're playing for England. You're playing for South Africa. You're playing for Namibia. In the America's cup, you're racing for Team Emirates. Like, what is that? What is that really? Right. You know, that that's a, a conglomerate company that is funding the racing so much 
that the team is just named after the sponsor rather than in you know. Oh, interesting. It's in in you know it's it's things like that that are just kind of it it it's a very transparent about yeah. what the actual driving force behind it is, and I guess it's one of those funny things where the technology of the sport has sort of driven it in such a direction that there's some really cool um, invention that they've used to to make these boats super fast and like super agile but it just it seems like you're almost trying to conquer the the natural aspect of it by you know having the 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 boat raised six feet off the ground and going at extreme speeds how how far can you go with technology yeah it's like when does this just become hovercrafts yeah it's like that's the thing i never i've never understood about um cars involving like big big vehicles for lack of a better term like boating or race car driving where you have like different cars competing that are all modded differently sort of worked on differently they're they're sort of always working to build the fastest car and it's like well at what point does it come unfair to everyone that someone actually has a better car like to me a fair race is everyone has the exact same same car set up using your skill and they're not even driving in a circuit they're driving like in a straight line which is obviously doesn't really make sense in the terms of like a NASCAR race or, you know, the V8 yeah, supercars or Bethesda. anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I just, I've never really understood that. It's like, I, I get it's part of the sport to to make the, the best vehicle you can, but like it doesn't really it's make kind of sense to me. Though, to, yeah, it's, yeah, like it's very really much weird. like we're just going to, if we're on top, we can keep getting the money. That's that, that, that that's the aspect of the America's Cup that bothers me, mm. is that part of it. It's sort of like, you know, suddenly New Zealand should care because we've we've happened to won this one time. So therefore, we need to keep pumping the money into this so that we can keep winning. Mm. But for what end? Yeah, you know, for, exactly. for what for what end for the general population? In when New does Zealand? it stop becoming a sport? Exactly, and at least with you know, say the basketball World Cup, if New Zealand was to become good at it, it'd be like okay, well, people like Stephen Adams come out of the mix and and go in and stand out in their field and bring the money back to New Zealand and are, are global ambassadors for New Zealand. Mm. But like. You can't really say that that impact is going to keep growing in New Zealand from yachting. Like it's just, it's intrinsically built into it. That it's very niche. I yeah, think. It's as, super as niche. broad as it seems here, it is a very but niche. But it didn't. Sport. It didn't even used to be as niche as it is now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it, and it comes from what you're saying. Where it's just like all you needed was a boat, and and you just mm. you learned to tack and you learned to sail. Like I used to, you know sail all the time. When I was in, when I was younger and stuff, and that's just you know on a little sunburst and you're just tacking and just going around the harbour like that's that's fun. That's the essence mm. of the sport, really. But it's not. Accessible but it's not the to same everyone. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. not. You know, you look at the NBA and it's like all you need to pretend to be Giannis when you're a little kid is <laughs> yeah. a ball and a hoop. Yeah, just pretend that you're Giannis. Yeah. But it's like I want to be Dean Barker. It's like okay, well I'm gonna sit down <laughs> in this massive like. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it kind of. It it's quite different. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's, I, and I don't want to sound like the, the douche shitting on people's sports for liking what they like because there's lots of yeah. things that I like that people be like, Liam, that's fucking stupid. Like, yeah, exactly. Like and that's why it's so hard to talk about these things freely because there always is some sort of bias. Like, like I, I feel the same way. I think yachting is, is somewhat ridiculous. Like, I, you can, you can pay me to sit down and watch the America's Cup because I just get n- no enjoyment from that. Next mm. to no enjoyment because it's, slow to the spectator like granted once you're on those yachts you get a fair bit of speed going obviously it's a race but there's no there's no sort of adrenaline that happens there for, for me yeah generally speaking i just i don't really see what is so captivating about it just that really slow paced sort of 
but it's a, obviously very physically enduring oh, sport sure. at the same time. You're, you're, like they're, they're, they're fucking hanging, the whole body's hanging. Oh, they're athletes. The yard, like they're fucking they're crazy. They're risking bodies as well, yeah, you know, 100%. like you see them like capsize and stuff. So it's I like, can appreciate that and I can watch them be like, wow, these guys are, you know, putting in the hard yak for a long time as well. Like mm-hmm. it's it's obviously a big race, but I've, I've never really understood that kind of sport from a spectator perspective. And same again with like NASCAR and V8 supercars, like, Watching cars run laps for God knows how many laps they do on like NASCAR, it's yeah. like, it's like what? Like who's really watching that? I just want to watch the last lap. Like yeah. seriously, like again, again to our point, it's fucked it's, up and watch car crashes. Oh, for sure, they? like but it's just like I think it is a very American thing, and uh, not that that really sort of explains it, but it I just. It, no one's going to watch all of the laps like in total, you know. It's just such an interesting thing. And an interest, again, because you've got all this sort of slightly uneven ground, like in terms of the vehicle's performance mm. and what, like, one vehicle is potentially far better than another that, and that will succeed. So, how can you really, like, justify that as fair? Like, to me, a pure race is a 100 meter sprint. Like, I always compare these races to 100 meter sprints because that, to me, is like the most organic race that there is you're it's all competition you're all really, in blocks you're all just you and you're running in a straight line you've all got the same line same distance same space mm. to me that's a fair race yeah and i translate that to everything relate like sports related in, in that sort of regard like and i also can't like this is a whole nother thing we could talk about but like when it comes to olympic sports the amount of things that are being added into the olympics over the last 10 years to me, some of it is just ridiculous. That one's an interesting one though. Is like, I don't mind that as much because I see the Olympics evolving since its inception a little bit more anyway. Like I, I like, I agree that the, you can't just keep adding everything because then it'll just sort of lose the sort of actual value of winning a medal because there's so many sports that you can compete in. Then it's just like, well, everyone's just going to win one for participating. But there's definitely some Olympic sports that it's like, well, maybe they've run their race in terms yeah. of being sports. Exactly. So why not let some of the other spotlight? But it's also that weird thing as well where I think that the actual – there's this weird balance between – I think that the Olympics is still quite important in terms of like a global sense and in terms of, you know, allowing people to – because it's an art. It's an art form, you know. People being athletes is mm. an art form and mm. they dedicate their lives and their practice and and I agree with that. But I also think that the the model for the Olympics is super outdated. You yeah. know, the fact that countries just bid and lobby for it by demolishing projects where people live and polluting their waterways, and and they have no they have no need to demonstrate that they're not fucking their own country up to do it. You know, like the last um one of the last was it in Rio? It's one of the Olympics. There was like they couldn't even do some of the the water sports because mm. there was so much pollution mm. in the waterways, and it's like, this is silly. why are these people allowed to damage the, their city for their damage their yeah. country for the people who live there just so that some people from overseas can come for like four yeah. weeks and then fuck off? Weird concept, you know? eh? They when they built all the sports stadiums um, in London for the London Olympics, they demolished um, a like a massive projects um, called the Castle and Elephant Projects in London, which had been there for 70 or 80 years, basically just low-income housing for a whole bunch of people and basically paid a whole bunch of people just a paltry as sum and were like, all right, 
you got 30 days to get the fuck out. We're demolishing these buildings. We're building like a football stadium here, really? basically. Fuck. And like the the ability to just like, you know, sort of play it off for gentrification or be like, oh, you know, we've done we've done everyone else a favor because we've demolished these projects where all this crime is happening. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Just the, the gymnastics yeah, in which yeah. they take. You know, it doesn't matter that this is people's homes. You know, it's like for some reason, if you're in a lower economic, socioeconomic area, your home has less value because crime is committed around it. Mm. It's like, well, that's still fucking people's houses. You yeah, know? Exactly. Not everybody that lives there is committing a crime. Just yeah. because crime is happening around them doesn't mean they want it to be happening. Yeah, that is absurd. But, but, but it, anyway, it is a pretty city crushing like thing to to a degree. Yeah, like, destroy your to own city. To build a massive stadium to host thousands of people and then never be used again. And never be used again. It's absurd, man. I know the amount of stuff they were building in Beijing when that happened. That was sort of the first, my first first hand look at like what the Olympics does to a city. And I was yeah. like, fucking hell! Like, and you know, in most cases, you've only got eight years to build it, which is not really a lot of time. No. Sometimes only four years to build something. It's like, fucking hell, that's so crazy. Or like blatantly obvious things like, you know, Qatar getting the Football World Cup. It's like, yeah. you know. Well, I didn't, uh, is Qatar, like, I don't know anything about Qatar. Qatar. Is, is it a big city? It's obviously. No, Qatar is a country, is a nation, right? Uh, right. It's a, it's a, a small nation in Africa and it's run by the Qatari Foundation, which is a non-for-profit, quote, unquote, uh, government foundation that runs everything in the country. They run the schools, they run the roads, they run they run everything, right? But basically what it is, it's a pipeline, a supposedly democratic pipeline to the monarchy in Qatar, right? So it's basically the, the monarchy's way of running the country and siphoning the profits and deciding what's done with the profits behind the guise of it being a democratic, not-for-profit sort of setup, Right. So Qatar is basically one of the – it's a very oil-rich nation. It's more of a nation-state than a country, right? And there's lots of just – there's like Sharia law rules and things like that. So they had to alter some of their state laws in order to be eligible to host this Football World Cup. But they basically paid for it. They mm. paid for it. And it's pretty much known that they paid for it because there was a the the president of FIFA was a guy called Sepp Blatter, and he was convicted of corruption charges. Like he 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 had openly been found to be taking money in order to accept countries like Qatar and Russia as oh, really? locations for football world cups. Yeah. Basically, Qatar is just not the condition. Like people people were dying in Qatar building the stadiums really? because the because they were being worked so hard to create the stadiums in like 40 degree, 45 degree weather that they Fuck. were dying from exhaustion. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So is that still happening? At the Qatar Football World Cup? I don't know. I don't think so. What is that next year? I think it was supposed to be 2022. But in the know. Olympics, that's next, that's next year, year, right? But I don't th- think it'll happen. Think, uh, th- what year are we in now? We're in 2021. It's this year. But isn't it every four years? Yeah, it was going to be in 2020. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was oh, supposed to be last year. Whoa. But I don't think okay. uh, the thing got rescheduled for this year, maybe next year. But I don't think it'll happen. It's well, like the, it's like the all-star game in the NBA, you know? It's just, it's like you can't really be forward thinking and be like, you know, hey, we're going to run a very health-conscious, coronavirus-conscious 
sort of sports league and then like all of a sudden they're going to have an all-star game you know like they've had problems with players getting the coronavirus being in contact with other players and not being able to play games because they're like you know due to the health and safety protocol we can't have these people who have tested positive in close proximity to these other people therefore we're not going to play this game mm. but then the nba comes out it's like oh no we're gonna have an all-star game you know it's like that's one of the biggest risks there is, is to get all of the best players in the NBA together. What happens if one of them gets coronavirus, they yeah. all get it. Then the whole season just is, is destroyed for one game, yeah. you know? Mm. I don't I know. Don't, I didn't realise that. Yeah, just a weird old can of, can of worm. Should we, should we talk about bloody... Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Yeah. I I didn't even... It went right over my head. I didn't even realise it was on until it was over. I had seen... Just because we're in New Zealand, we don't really get a lot of news about it happening. So I was completely unawares and I don't really follow any sports pages on social media or anything. Yeah. So, oh, the Super Bowl's done. Well, I, I only knew about it. Well, I mean, I knew Connor who was in it, but it, I don't follow American I didn't realize Tom Brady was in it again. That was the first headline I saw was like Tom Brady wins his seventh ring. Yeah, something, yeah. Which well, is I, crazy. So I was watching it and because Brandon is my brother-in-law is from the States and so he's you know, quite into it and there was quite a few people around at my parents' place to watch it and stuff. So... I watched part of it. I didn't watch much of it at all, to be honest. Too slow. The game yeah, takes long so long, game. and I had no stakes, and I was like, ugh. But the the halftime show is what I kind of was interested in, yeah, of anything. Sure. I, I haven't actually seen anything of it, but I've right. seen plenty of memes, it's, and yeah, as yeah, you yeah, do as after you do. every fucking major event. I think they did a really good job of keeping it pretty minimal, um, and like... You know, I don't know. I, I don't was he there or was it like a broadcast yeah, he was there. thing? Yeah, right. he was there. So that was all He was set just on one too. side. He was on like a – and rather than being in the middle of the field to start with, he started like in against – they obviously unoccupied one part of the stands. Right. And he started there and that's where like some of the songs started. And then he went into a back room that was behind that. There was like a stage, like a maze. That's where that meme of him like twirling sure, around. Sure. It was weird. It was interesting. Like I like he looked like a mannequin. <laughs> like he looked like you know you see some photos of the weekend and he yeah. looks fucked like he actually kind of looks like he hasn't slept in days <laughs> he just looks real kind of like drug ravaged yeah. and just genuinely like he's just kind of loving it up he looked so pristine like he just he didn't have a single wrinkle mm. it just looked weird it looked like he had been sort of like just defrosted like <laughs> from a cryogenic sleep of like a week or something you know like but I mean he's he's kind of in his prime really oh yeah for sure like don't get me wrong he's not like some drug head or fuck or anything but like you he, know he had a lot of makeup done for like one of his recent music videos right right like I'm, I'm I don't know if you, you've seen you've seen a lot of funny photos of him I know there was yeah. the photos of him that came out before one of his music videos dropped he's got like really exaggerated facial features like cheekbones and his like jaws all puffed like up really for sharp. this video like it's 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 looks like he's been stung by bees all over right but it's like comically you know how you get like a yeah. caricature in the newspaper and <laughs> yeah, everything's yeah, yeah. accentuated it's like that and he had that makeup done for one of his videos mm. just that might have been something that you'd seen <laughs> it was interesting that the sound the sound engineering was definitely you could tell that they for the first like ten minutes of the performance they were like going back and forth with the mix like oh really yeah we well, could see that he in some of the parts where like his you know sort of we would have overdubbed like falsetto parts into his songs like um I can't feel my face and those sure. sort of stuff you could tell that when he started he would he had started at like a a, a, a way lower key probably because of the sound problems and then some of the songs where he started to like have to like pick it up a pick bit. it up yep. he, he like was kind of struggling 
And yeah. you could kind of see it. It's just kind of like whether it was because he couldn't hear himself or because he had to move around and sing at the same time, whatever. It's like that'd be so hectic. Those performances are very weird. And what I found weird about it or what I would find stressful about that is that like having – he d- didn't he do like a live Instagram video while he was performing as yeah, well? Like he had like his that. phone out for a bit. It's yeah. like – God, like how fucking how, thing like, time, how, eh? how much does social media have to be ingrained to everything now? Where it yeah, just like a fix of performance. It's just like I did sake. find it interesting though. Like I, I um, enjoyed Jennifer Lopez's performance in the last Super Bowl mm. more than this one. Right, like this one was good, but more on the well, mixed J-Lo. side of good. Yeah, well, but I don't really like J Lo, <laughs> but like I appreciated the pedantry of it and was kind of like, this is. Well done. She's like fifty, and yeah. and I just was kind of like, this is really fucked how the the standard, whether it's like a gender issue or whatever, the way that the actual performance was analysed was so much different from for the weekend than it was for like J Lo and um, I can't remember who else was in it with her. Justin Timberlake. No, it was another woman. Sure, was Justin. Oh, Shakira. I think oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't um, be surprised. She's in but anyway, it, like their one was way more like just see negative douche comments being like, oh, 50 year old slaying, you know, just crap <laughs> like that. Christ. And like commenting on the, their looks and that rather than the performance. Yeah. Whereas like the, the, the weekends one was way more just like, you know, oh, like just commenting on the performance. Like yeah, it, it, yeah. it, 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 it was well, like that, almost natural. That's, like that's what happens, man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But it was just sort of like, Argh. yeah, it is weird. I, I felt he was, Seemed like the right choice to have as an act for mm. the for the mm. halftime show. Mm. I I can't commit to watching the whole game. I tried to watch a whole Super Bowl last year, or maybe the year before that, and I got through like the first two quarters. I was like, "Oh my god, this is only like halfway through." Yeah, it's such an American thing. I think to have such like strung out events like that, like an excuse to have a day of watching football. You know, it's just mm. crazy. But how long it's strung out for? But yeah. I one thing that tripped me out. I'd seen a video of the crowd, and I was like, "Oh, so people are allowed to go to the Super Bowl?" Like, I was yeah, like, "What the fuck Florida. is going on?" And then I had to I had to look it up because I was like, "Why the fuck is the stadium packed full of people?" Twenty five thousand people. But there were cardboard cutouts everywhere, yeah, and there were still twenty five thousand people crazy, there. Crazy man! What the fuck? Florida. Of course you'd still like that's the thing. Eh? You're like you have to have the Super Bowl. Who cares about COVID? Like the Super Bowl yeah. must happen. That's yeah. that's the feeling I'm getting from it. But still, like even you know it, that it looked legit. Like yeah, I just yeah. saw a video of like Tom Brady afterwards, like hugging one of his teammates, and it was just it just looked uh, it was people everywhere. I was like, the fuck. That's going the crazy on? thing about it is it's gonna get better. It's gonna get the the pageantry is gonna become so much more deceptive. Yeah. It's like this is this is the transitionary. We are in the new normal now. Yeah, we're yeah. in the transitionary period where, like, now there's not going to have to be any justification for faking things. Yeah. You know, like, it's just you're going to be able to do things like that and yeah. and represent uh, a, a, an event or a, a thing that takes place in any way you want. Like, that's kind of what you're seeing with what's happening with the way that, you know, the insurrection at the American capital is being dealt with in the States. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't now – now it, it no longer matters what everybody saw – it matters that one side is arguing one aspect of it and the other side is downplaying the aspect of it, you know? So it's it's not even it's it's almost like people have accepted that the world is so messed up and unpredictable and weird mm. ever since say like two thousand sixteen that it's acceptable now to ignore fact to just 
pick a side for the sake of it, you know, like it's um it's it's weird. It's 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 also it's kind of dangerous for the way that morality is changed in terms of like things that would cause global events, you know, like um I saw the other day that the the new US administration had come out and said basically had been like said that they're deeply disturbed by reports of um mass rapes happening in these um Muslim Uyghur concentration camps in China. And you think about that sentence, mm. you know. The US is condemning mass rape in a concentration camp, you know? That is legit the kind of stuff that people fought world wars over, but now all it has to be is a comment. You know, all the all the United States has to do is say, Oh, we're deeply disgusted by this. Yeah. And that's it. It's like if it's affecting the economic bottom line now, then is um, that ju- did that just come out? Yeah, a couple of days ago, maybe two or three days ago. But that and like that's considered to be the United States coming back and showing some backbone again. You know? It's like what's <laughs> actually taking any action. Yeah, you think about this, like your your morality is based on completely based on economics now. It's not even based on a we're worried about how we'll get judged in the scheme of history because things have just become so acceptably skewed now that you can just – there is no definitive history anymore, you know. The definitive history in the past was, you know, the Nazis were bad, the Allied powers gathered together to fight them at all costs, you know, people from New Zealand, from India, countries that weren't even close to the conflict sent people to die for what is considered to be a human – it was a morality issue, you know. It's like we don't want to be fascist. We don't want to have a certain um, religion or people persecuted. And now the exact same things are happening every, everywhere, like China, racially in the United States, like Israel against Palestine. They're, they're happening in so many different areas that there is no collective we to gather together and fight it anymore because it's where do you start? Right. And – now it's sort of like accepted that you don't start now. You just keep rolling along and hope mm. that it doesn't get worse. Mm. And if it does get worse, just change history or teach your children or the people that are going to come after you that there's a reason why you didn't step in and help and X amount of people died, you know? Yeah. It's um Is there is there weird. a lot of like um I don't know, built up tension between those countries that there might be a reason why there's no action being taken? Like is this sort of like a, like America and stuff that's happening, like you say, in like Pakistan and Iraq and stuff? Built up tension. I, I know way. next to nothing about yeah, this no, topic. No, I'm just sort of like trying to I'm understand. not. Yeah, I'm not saying that you yeah. should. But well, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying that you should, yeah. Yeah, but like, the, you know, when when there's there's wars that have been happening in those countries for oh, historically, years, for sure. is there potentially a reason why there's, there's no sort of – Action being yeah, taken. Yeah, hundred percent there is, and that's part of the mutually the concept of mutually assured destruction. I guess mm. that has existed forever, since well, not forever, but since you know, kind of, but since the first atomic bomb was dropped, it's kind of like, you know, if you do step over this sort of invisible line that exists, then you're opening a Pandora's box, and then once it starts, you don't you don't close, you don't put the lid on it. Yeah, there's no sort of means to. It's almost like we we built ourselves into a corner with technology and that we allowed it to take over the way that we sort of view, you know, morality and that 
it's it's got a hold a grip on us so much it's like social media you know like if social media was any other form of media or any other form of if it was a if it was video games if it was you know traditional let's say you know historically video games or things that people considered to be generational threats rock and roll music whatever there was big rallies and big pushes against that you know like social media has led to people committing massacres in public just to post them on social media and like rigging a, a global elections and things like like it's almost like there was a time and a place for for someone to put their foot down and say hey no more no more social media there is no more facebook until you can assure that you're not using it to change the sway of global politics and fucking allow people to be murdered and and posted on that that point is just gone and and it's like the technology knows it you know it's it's like the whole concept of it is that everybody knows that now and therefore the the actions that people are going to start taking have become more unhuman almost you know because it's like well this is our little plat- patch of land and there is no more physical war there is no more physical consequence because we have our own ways of protecting ourselves against physical consequence whether it be like nuclear weapons or using your economic power over another country to be like hey you try to stop us from having concentration camps we cut off all your supplies of this material and this material and this material right. and you're fucked right. you know but anyway, this leads me on to something else. <laughs> Please I, lead on to something. I saw Elon Musk's Starfinder twice while I was away twice. in Rhode Island. Yes, that's 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 <coughs> quite miraculous. I have not seen it yet. Then so, again, I'm not really looking at the sky too much. So the first time I saw it, I was in Huntley on the way from Auckland down to Tora Wambora, this festival in Tora, in the oh, southeast boom, coast. Boom, boom. <laughs> and that's no, right. <laughs> and it was fucking weird. Mm. It was so weird. It's quite an absurd thing. When I saw it, I was like, that is fucking bizarre. Like, I didn't know what it was the first time I saw it. I was with a group of of three people, four people. I looked and I was like, what the fuck is that? Mm. And the person's like, oh, that's that's the Starfinder. I was like, what? He's like, that's the the trail of artificial star satellites that they put up in the space that they're planning to put thousands of them in the sky within the next 10 years. And I looked at it, I was like, man. That's fucked up. Mm. You know, like it's actually was really concerning. Like it really bothered me. I was kind of like, is this, this is the future. Like it just reminded me of like, mm. you know, Star Wars and Coruscant where yeah. all those cars are in the yeah, sky yeah, and it's yeah. filling every possible space yeah, sure. possible. It's like, yeah. is this, you, uh, like, you kind one, of think about that happening when we're old. Yeah, you know, we think yeah, about yeah. leaving this world behind and being like, oh, fucking... The, the the sky is full of all these things and like I remember when I used to be able to stand out in a field and just see the sky yeah to, to think that the one thing that is really pure on earth is the one thing that actually isn't on earth that we yeah. don't have control of now is going to be populated it's like, like the thought of having the sky covered in like starlinks and that sort of thing covering constellations and things having a constant movement yeah. of stars in the sky and being be tracked very absurd being yeah. tracked like you know I'm not necessarily i'm not you know i don't tend to side with the kind of you know like we're being vaccinated to be tracked or like Mm. they're taking our civil liberties away by like forcing us to go into these lockdowns yada 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 like i understand some of it i like i understand some of the viewpoint i don't i don't think it's nuanced enough to to be fully shaped that way but that one made me look at it and be like really reactionarily look at it and be like who the fuck does elon musk think he is (laughs) like that's that's so messed up, mm. you know, like, 
is that going to be seen in the same way that like dredging the oceans now is is seen but not yeah. stopped? You know, it's like it's a whole new. It's, it's a literally new another worldly. It's insane pollution. Yeah, it's it's and it's like, you know, but there must be some like. There's obviously some agreement that's going on between Elon and the government because, like, how would you just is. be able to fire something based. up into space? You know, like, it's, it's, so so oh, what is it? What money is the in the right people people's pockets? So what what purposes is the star finder serving? It's to expand global internet connection, right? Basically, it, uh, it, it's to like five G. Yeah, it's to related. provide. Yeah, it's to provide coverage in places where you couldn't traditionally provide coverage okay. through tower tower coverage. Sure, and also. Surveillance, like it is, yeah. it's it's going to be used Definitely. to monitor, and that's what the other part of it that is kind of frightening to me is it's like, if we're allowed to view something that's in the sky like that, that's supposedly under the auspices of being for internet coverage, something that's going to benefit the people. That's what they thought about drones. Yeah. You know, they thought that drones were going to be just a just a thing that allowed you know a new a new type of flight, and then it took piss all time before they used those those drones to blow up weddings Be in Afghanistan yeah. that murdered children. Mm. You know, what's to say that this, the next... That's the, what I'm scared about yeah. is with these new satellites. That's you what you're going to be thing? able to do. You can position a satellite anywhere in the world and, just destroy and target someone something. while they're in their home. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking scary. And it will end up that way because the the go, the, the army will want oh, cool. a side They of already it. have it. Yeah, There's right. no... what If we can see something commercially available... Mm. Whatever you can think of as an as a military element already exists. It just exists in a space that we can't view it in. Mm. You know, it's like um, the Boston Dynamics videos that came out recently. I saw that Pharrell had a a video with one of those Boston Dynamics robots. You know, those robots that can yeah, like walk yeah. and they do the yeah. they do a dance like "Do you love me?" and stuff. It's yeah. still creepy. One of their, I've watched. A, I follow a lot of tech channels on YouTube, and one of their more recent ones, the dog like figure. Yeah. One of their most recent ones, I watched them playing with. That's pretty crazy technology. Did you see the video of Pharrell? No, like, I picking, haven't seen. One what of these ones about. was it was like an advert of Pharrell with his new like sort of shoe that he'd made, mm. and this that robot that four legged one that has a little crane thing coming out of its back was right. picking up the shoe and like taking it to the person. Is like mm. this is <laughs> fucked up. That's like this weird, isn't man. this isn't like oh wow it's uh what. It's like whoa, it is what? This is scary. Some like, of those, some of the early videos of of their Boston Dynamics, fucking scary. Oh my god, <laughs> the ones of the 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 four legged ones where they work together, like yeah, where they have locked doors, yeah. and one of them opens the door and the other one pries the door. Yeah, open. It's like fucked. that's so messed up. Yeah, you know. But I saw the Starfinder the next night at Tora mm. when one of the bands was on stage and yeah, was on right. this like dusky sunset and they yeah. played the music from Interstellar. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is fuck. like, it was one of those moments that I was like, jeez, oh, fireworks, fireworks going off. Wow. Probably going to get a bit of that, guys. Chinese fireworks. Right at the window. Holy Chinese shit. Chinese as well, look at that. They actually got the perfect view for it. That was That's loud. amazing. That's loud as fuck. That actually like scared the me. like Robbie Burden's cannon, eh? Sick. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, I wish you guys could see this. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do you want to keep going while this is while yeah, it's on? Yeah, it's not. Yeah. it's not going to be in the mics too much, I'm right. sure. But that was one of the. That was one of the. Yeah, one of the like moments that I just stopped in my tracks. I was like, man, is this something I'm going to remember at the end of my life, or you know, when when I'm older and be like, man, that was one of the last moments that the Earth was like Pure. untouched. Yeah, you know, it's scary. It was real weird to to wrangle with. It yeah. was um. 
and research. you can you can think about it that deeply because it is is it that deep. But like I think if I had observed that in person, I probably would not have thought that much into it. But upon discussion, it is it is quite a frightening thing to to have in there. Those fireworks are fucking loud. Yeah, they are. I can't tell how much are coming through the mics. I, yeah. I can't. It won't be that bad. It'll be uh, heard, but it won't be too bad. Well, we might just take a brief pause. Yeah, and we can, can cut out. I yeah. can pause it. All right. Sorry about that, everyone. Hopefully that didn't come through too much in the parts that we care about talking about. Speaking of Torah, Bob Bora, mm-hmm. how did you find it? Blood good. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Cool. I, I enjoyed it um, highly. It was... Um, All right, thanks for coming along. <laughs> Sorry. Smaller water bottles this time around. Yeah. Kieran's getting cheap, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, um, I figured... Okay, so the, the, my logic behind the small water bottles was every time I offered someone a bottle of water, they never finished it. Well, they never opened it. So I was like, well, I'll just get smaller ones. And Makes then, sense. They can know. refill if they're yeah. thirsty. And I, and I feel bad about the plastic waste, but I also, I'm kind of like, well, is it nicer to have like a fresh bottle of water or mm. is it nice not, you know, have tap water filled up? Yeah. Small potatoes. Indeed. Um, Tora, yeah. Um, <laughs> bloody good. Yeah, give me that, man. You good, fidget with that. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh. Who was your favorite um, performance? Oh, that's hard, man. That's hard. Nick and Ruben brought it big time. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Nick and Ruben. Shout out, Nick and Shout Ruben. out to Liam. Killed it. <laughs> not to me. <laughs> no, not to me. Liam Shout out to Liam. I was there. Yeah. Saw it. Shout out to me being a part of it, being the cheer squad. No. Yeah, Liam, Liam Doyle. Liam Doyle. Very talented. Epic guy. Very, very nice guy. guy. Lovely, so. lovely girlfriend as well. Shout out to her too. Um, no, they they killed it, eh? Um Nick and Ruben, really good. Heavy chest, really good. Half cast, really good. Juno is, so always give them their props. Very good, really good. Bought so, it. Good Dunedin, um, Dunedin names there. Yeah, there's some good Dunedin names there. And, um, man, it's, yeah, there wasn't anybody that wasn't good, really. Oh, man, I just, oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I can't, I can't do festivals, eh? Mm. And I don't know if it's just because, like, this is going to sound probably super hypocritical, but I've never really been to any. But I just don't see the appeal. And I, I, I okay, I suppose that's not true. I see the appeal. I you've understand. Been to, I understand. You've been Laneway? Yeah. You came yeah. Laneway, Laneway with and me And that was once. fun. I wouldn't say I had the time of my life, though. There was still definitely points where I was kind of like, do I have to be here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I don't like being in the crowds. Um... I don't know. I just have to really, really love the artist. And yeah. Like the 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 thing is, like, that it seems as though the festivals that are here in New Zealand, they just aren't the festivals. Like, I don't know if this is just you know me in particular or the type of music that is being performed live that I don't like, or or if it's the artist or what. But just it's just every festival lineup I see, I'm like. I don't know. I either don't know anyone in the lineup or I only know a couple and I don't really enjoy their music that much. Yeah. Not to say that anyone played it, you know, tour or anything. I don't enjoy it because I do. Um, but it's not my favorite thing. It's not my favorite genre to listen to. And I think that's fair to say that I don't love every artist, yeah. you know, regardless of where they're from. But I just, I just, I don't really just seem to ever like the music that are at these festivals. And whether it's just like a dance thing or a mm. rock or not, I just, I can't find myself in those positions. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I saw a lot of positive. There's a lot of positives in tour. These are the positive positives that I list. Um, good length, the right amount of time. Friday night, Saturday night, 
everyone was gone by about midday Sunday. Really unique location, ama- fucking amazing location, just like where we were. It's like being on the edge of the world. It was crazy. Um, the days were really hot, perfect time of year. The wind was fucked. Like the, the just the sort of natural geography of the spot was just crazy. Like I, I was tenting. I, I tended in a one man tent. I took a I took Cam's six man tent from um Auckland. By the time I got there, it was about five or six o'clock on the Friday night. People had already set up and the people I wanted to set up with, there was only room for a one man tent. So I went beside Dan's tent and I was like, oh, I can't put up the six-man tent. There's no room. So I borrowed a one-man tent and it ended up being the saving grace, bro, because midnight, about about 11 o'clock midnight on the Saturday night, the wind 11 was... 11 o'clock midnight. 11 o'clock to midnight. Around there. <laughs> Sorry. <Pedantic> Craig. Um, <laughs> peak wind. Just the wind <laughs> was just messed up. Like at least 40% of everyone's tents got completely snapped. Oh, Jesus. Right, just that destroyed. fuck me off. And it was dark. But, you know... At the end of the day, it was like, you can't do anything about it anyway. So most people are just like, put the tents down, just go party. That's what we did. So the wind, not the best. What about all your stuff? I moved a lot of my stuff that was important into other people's cars and stuff that I traveled with. And then the tent was just the sleeping stuff and just, you know, that's what it was. Um, So overall, it was fine. It was was very annoying being in the tent because the, the you know the bed was like the length of this table, a little bit wider, half inflated, and I'm got my legs up against the corners and my arms up against the corners like an angel uh. pushing against the structure every time this mess. Because the gust was coming in so bad that you're like sleeping in a curl, like in the middle of the air mattress, because the the tent is like squeezing in on you. So that part of it wasn't great, but you know. You, you deal with two nights of not sleeping very well anyway. I suppose it's part of those things. I fucking yeah. hate sleeping in tents. I'm the older I like. I still really like. I still am fine with it because I grew up doing it, and I've you know, I worked on the vineyard and slept in a tent for like two months straight. So anything is kind of fine compared to that. But yeah, the older I get, the more sick of it. I like. I would I would be in people's vans, just like chilling. I'm like God damn it, I need a van. I need a yeah, van like this. For sure. If I want to keep doing this as I get older, and I think that's the line I'm going to have to cross anyway, is I'm going to have to commit to something like that anyway. But no, location, the festival organizers, you know, shout out to Louis, um, shout out to everyone else put in the work there. Fucking really nicely done. Really wholesome vibes. There wasn't many, like, I didn't see anybody fighting or anybody really strung out or anything like that. That's good. And, you know, I've been to a lot of festivals where I've been doing psych care and other things like that, like helping people with. You know, taking taking too much or what? What do you know? Whatever. And it wasn't really that vibe about the place. I don't know. You know, you never really know anyway. But BYO, very interesting. There was no mm-hmm. place there selling alcohol, so you just had to bring whatever booze you wanted and you well, just drink it. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it was good. Like awesome vibes. One of the girls, though, I don't know if you saw any of the pictures. Probably hard to demonstrate in the pictures I put on Instagram, which I was kind of annoyed about because they're blurry. Come, yeah, but it's kind of cool. Bro, you and never it's have any luck. Yeah, they are cool. There was but a disposable camera, bro. There wasn't even any of my cameras. Right. So, which was really weird. But anyway, um, they're, they're kind of cool just for the fact that they're yeah, just for like, sure. But it seems as though you never actually get like good film photos. Yeah, coming out. I know. Well, in the last like three just batches I've done, <laughs> the last three batches I've done, they've been annoying. Kieran's got this thing. Kieran thinks that I collect too many things that are broken. 
which I probably do. Well, you, well, it's not that you collect things that are broken. It's just everything that you buy is secondhand and it doesn't work hey. as expected. Yeah. I got high hope. I, I give things second chances, you know? Right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had my fair share of things that don't work from the op shop, but it seems to be everything that you find that's cool from the op shop never actually works. Shout out to Hamish Morgan for... Fixing the broken things I bring to him and then also buying yeah. the broken things. He's that doing I bring some to him. very cool things. Shout out Hamish. Yep. Shout out to Hamish. But um yeah, I don't, I don't know. It it was it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Um it was something I wasn't too sure whether I'd enjoy or not when I went there, to be honest. Like the sound engineering was amazing for, for what kind of like festival it was. Mm. Everyone played really well. And like, you know, I talked to Ruben and Damon when they because when they got there, they got there on the Saturday. Not long before they played, um, and because obviously, like it was Ruben, Ruben Damon, Liam, Nick, and Ruben, and um, it was interesting because you know they, of, of all the music types there, theirs was the sort of the heaviest, away from the mm. sort of indie. Um, theirs was more on the alt rock side of indie, yeah. as opposed to the surf rock sort of reggae dub other other part that people were playing. Mm-hmm. And you could see that they were probably a little bit nervous. I'm not talking this guy, I don't think I am anyway. About the fact that they were, you know, entering this kind of environment to play. And, but you know, like I said to them, I said to Ruben and, and Damon, I was like, you know, don't worry about not playing in, in a way that you feel like has to be sequential or linear or whatever. Because the whole point of a festival anyway is that you're coming to see a whole bunch of different acts. Nobody's setting the pace. That's the whole sort of point really isn't it like mm. if you go to a an individual you know Nick and Ruben show or a three quarter marathon show or a Jeepery band show or whatever and you know they feel nervous about it or they feel that they can't set the tone that they want then that has some validity to it because you know that's ultimately on them they're the you know inside of a room they're the ones sort of setting the pace mm. but in an outdoor festival you'd like to think that people that are going there are understanding that you're you know no festival ever has every single act playing the exact way that you want as an individual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and if you go to a festival thinking that that's how it's going to be, then you're kind of a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. But this did happen that way, in a way, in that, you know, <clears throat> I didn't come back and say to anybody, you know, oh, these acts were really good, but I don't know about this act or that act or whatever. It wasn't like that. Every act sort of brought it from the last act in, in a, like a sequential, in not a sequential way, but in like a, you know, it was like build, 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 yeah, build, yeah. build, 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 which was really well done. I don't know if that had to do with the state, like the staggering of the axe or like the general vibes of the axe or whatever, but yeah. That's cool. So that's quite, it's quite a unique experience in terms of what you've experienced in yeah, festivals. It was, it was really similar to, it was basically like a, it was interesting. It was like a. It had elements of like sort of the hippie, the hippie scene, and the ways it was laid out, and the general sort of feeling of the festival. And they didn't have any of the sort of R and A, R and V vibes where people just getting fucked up. It's mm. like, oh, keep for me, Kichi, or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> but it did also have the party aspect of it later on that night, because when Halfcast and like um, Mama Cedar and stuff played on the Saturday night, they were like going at it. Like Halfcast was basically like a like a New Zealand perspective Rage Against the Machine. They fucking <laughs> killed it, bro. Yeah. Like, they were so good. Like, so, some what the guy... It was, like, borderline spiritual revival level. Like, what, the, the way the guy was, like, reciting the concepts. So it's hard to even call them lyrics. 
because it was like some deep shit. Like he was talking about like the roots of the problems for males in New Zealand and like the Maori community and just like he was going in on it. Mm. Like he was actually just like, and you could hear his voice break. Like he was in it. Like he was fully in it. And it was like, this dude is somewhere else on stage right now, you know, like, and that was fucking incredible. Like every single person that came away from it, we were all just like, looked at each other like, what the fuck did we just (laughs) see? Like it was amazing. It was fully amazing. It's hard for me to even say it was musical because hmm. it was musical, but it was like, it was fucking, it was crazy. It was real crazy. It was almost like the same sort of feeling that I guess people have ascribed to like Eminem in the past, like in the in the early 2000s or whatever, where it's just like this guy's coming out and just fucking saying it. And it's almost like not even about the music or the sound. It's about like what he's bringing to it. And it was kind of like that. It was just like, geez, like. You could see that, and you could see that it was like coming from the dude. Like it was, it was actually coming out of him. You know, yeah, it's crazy. It wasn't like you he was putting on often, a, no. Yeah, it wasn't like he was like putting on a show. Like, all right, now I'm the front man. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say these things. or put in. I'm gonna put 110 percent into it. It was yeah. like this dude was fucking like reaching into the bottom of his stomach and bringing it all out, sort of thing. Oh, you know, that's crazy. That is quite an experience. I can imagine. But, but yeah, like it, it's a it's a it's also a creature comfort thing. You know, like I, yeah. I won't lie, there was like. I was fucking rinsed the next day and just really dry and just yeah. sunstroked and just like, just like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know, like this was Sunday. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this was awesome, but holy crap. I'm so keen for just like a roof yeah, and just a splat out, you know? Yeah. And shout out to Beatrice and Jason for having us at their place in Martin Road, the nicest place ever. So, cool. Oh, that sounds like a good weekend. It was. It was mean. And I was supposed to go back up to Auckland and spend more time with friends up there and do some more stuff up there, but I I couldn't take a nine hour. Like, yeah. the people were it's driving for nine hours and there was going to be four of us in a van. I was like, I just I just need to get back to Dunedin and just sort my shit yeah, out at the stage, you know? Have you seen that Beacon Festival that's coming up nah. in March? It's like a dance festival. Um, oh, uh, I can't remember. It's only just come out. Eden Burns is playing. Um, a couple. Of, it's supposed to be like a dance specific festival, like a house like sort festival. of house music sort yeah. of style thing. Um, which looks pretty cool. A couple of a couple of my flatmates sound like they're going to end up going, but yeah, I don't know. I just I never see headlines for festivals and just like get so fizzed about it. Because that's, that's what my flatmates were doing. Like, they, they saw that lineup and they go, like, oh, my fuck, like, can I afford to go? Like, can I get time off at this time? Like, just absolutely fizzing about it. I'm like, man, this this does nothing for me at all. Like, I would really love to see Eden play on any given day, but I'm not, like, busting to to spend money and go up and do it. Like, that's oh. just not in my nature to, to, to get into that sort of thing I don't know why I just never really experienced it so I'm not really maybe that's it or maybe I just have to go to a festival and then understand it a bit more it's in Queen's Wharf in Auckland Mm. on 27th of March yeah right yeah I guess yeah I mean you know man Eden killing it shout out Eden yeah he's doing big big things this summer eh? he's had some pretty big shows which is really cool to see yeah because I feel like he's sort of like he's He's there for like a month and then you don't see him for a while and then he has like a record release. He's just, I think he just had an EP come out mm-hmm. like today I just saw. Mm-hmm. So it'll be sick. I'll be keen to listen to that. Yeah. Judy yeah. Kelly's got her next, uh, her, her debut single I think coming out as well. Mm, yes, she did mention um, that. I think it's February, February 26th, could be wrong, could be so, 21st. It's in late February, so keep out for that. Obviously Judy was on the pod just recently. So. Yeah, she's very interesting. 
to talk to. She of of the people that have had on here, I've, I've I've thoroughly got a good insight into you know what people do in their practice and how they come up with their work. But she was very, she seemed like she had it all very much under wraps and was very able, much able to explain what it is that goes into her musical practice mm. in quite a decisive way. Yeah, which is very interesting to listen to. It's pretty very rare. articulate about it, and a lot of people I think are sort of so up in the air about how they approach their art and how it all sort of comes together because you don't really, like not a lot of people are going in so sort of, you know, with, analysis, with such a planned mind. Yeah. yeah, they're not going, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work like this. I'm going to go into that and I'm going to do right, right, right. You just, most of the time, especially with yeah. like music, you're just sort of going in and you're just strumming away or whatever until something comes to light. Granted, that's sort of part of what she was doing as well, but the way she was able to sort of explain how it all comes together was pretty crazy because it's hard to get that out of people sometimes. Yeah, like for I struggle sure. with that. I can understand it, you know, from performing as well. Um, yeah, you know, once it's out there and once sort of the concept's out there, you want it to speak for itself really because it's it's hard to, you know, to take something that's organic or whatever or being produced within you and, you know, such and such and try to force that into analysis or try to, you know, mm. put it under investigation or whatever. Especially when you don't necessarily want to project a meaning onto it before it's even born. Mm. You know, you don't want to like, you know, serve somebody as excuse me, someone somebody is like, you know, talking about a release of a single or performing live or whatever. You you don't necessarily want to go out and be like, Oh, this is what it has to be like. Um you know this is the way you need to perceive it as the public, mm. whatever, because this is the way that I've conceived it as an artist. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's never really going to happen, is it? Because it's all subjective. It's all interpreted in, in whatever way that you're going to interpret it as, you know. Like yeah. it's, it's you can have such a thorough concept about something that you want to put forward, but you can't guarantee it's going to be interpreted in the same way, you know, it's it's all going to be taken different meanings. People are going to translate things to their own thoughts and feelings around a certain subject or whatever it's going to be, you know. Yeah. That's the strange thing about it. It's, it's weird to think that, you know, something that you love, someone else hates, you know, it's such a weird thing mm. to think that we're all so the same but also so different in that regard. Like, and yeah. the same with tastes and foods and, you know, that sort yeah. of thing as well. You can, one person can like something, someone else can hate something. It's like, well, what is so different yeah. it's about funny. people in that it, way? It's funny how that can also, in, in a weird way, be like an intro into the music for some people too, though. Like, I, I was um, listening to some podcasts um, last week about um, it was it was a, it was a rivalry podcast. It's about musical rivals, right? And it was about um, uh, Robert Smith. I think his name is the lead singer of The Cure, mm-hmm. and Morrissey, the lead singer of The Smiths, and sort of the rivalry that they had in the eighties and whatever. And that kind of made me re-listen to the, some of The Smiths' music and The Cure's music because I, I've always kind of liked both of them. I like The Smiths' music. And because it's very, it's super unique. But Morrissey is a fucking really weird dude. Like he's a very bizarre guy. Like he's said and done some things that basically led him to be cancelled. Yeah. Essentially, you know. He said th- some things in the past that were kind of quirky that people were like, oh, you know. Morrissey, he's sort of a malcontent. Like he said, you know, um, people that eat meat should be murdered. He said that the Chinese were a subspecies because they ate dogs and things like that. and Whoa. Just things that are like, you know, very 
I guess they would have been part of his image to be sort of you yeah. Know. I knew then, that, I knew that of that story that he was a bit. But out then, there. I didn't know anything. Well, recently he's been in trouble because he wore a BNP pin, which is the British National Party. He wore a pin on stage of the British National Party, and basically the sort of anti-immigration, pro-Brexit. They're like a, a what people consider a far-right political group, basically. Right on the fringes of like a white supremacy group. And then he basically came out and was like, yeah, I believe that England should be a white country. Like, you know, oh, basically Jesus. came out and was like, said things he shouldn't have said yeah. about views he probably shouldn't have. And that lead, led to a lot of record stores when like, we're not going to stock the Smiths music anymore and yada yada, which led me to be like, you know, like I agree that he's a prick and that those views aren't necessarily acceptable in a progressive society. Why should the other members of the Smiths be tainted with the same brush as him? Like, why should the Smiths' music suffer from that viewpoint that he's shown? Like, his solo records to not be stocked, I completely understand that. And to to be choose as as a business owner to be like, I don't want to play or have this person represented because of their viewpoints. So I can understand that. But you know, like Johnny Marr and these other guys on the Smiths, they didn't do anything. Mm. You know, and the music and isn't expressly. You know, I, I can't even remember a a Smith song that was about politics mm. or, or you know, overtly about, like, there were some polit- political ones, what I mean, like, overtly, like, you know, anti-immigration or whatever. And, but it's also, like, reading and hearing about that is what brought me back into listening to the Smith's music anyway, you know what I mean? So it's, like, there's this weird counterbalance between infamy or intention and whatever that does bring people in towards music, but mm. it can also repulse people away from the music. So, like... I can understand why it'd be difficult for people even that you have on here to want to express any sort of viewpoint, particularly strong viewpoint towards the music. Not not saying that they are Morrissey lights or whatever they're not, but like, you know, marrying viewpoints or perspective to a song before it's out there or at any point isn't necessarily something that people want to do anyway. It's kind of like the same thing as abstract art or... You know, art like if the piece that you made here beside us, if I was to be like, oh, you know, if I was to be interviewing you in a podcast and say, hey, like, what is, at its essence, what does that mean? Yeah. You'd be like, fuck it. What? Yeah. Like, why'd you That's ask me true. such a stupid fucking yeah. question, you know? But not to say that people don't want to discuss it when it comes to yeah, art or music. Yeah, I understand but, what you're saying, yeah. But yeah, it's, it is a really rare for somebody to be able to articulate and then not, you know, counter, like, or, you know, go away from the interview or whatever and be like, oh, God damn it, like, I wish I hadn't said that, or I want this to be construed in this way, and yada, 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 you know? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of the inherent impact of discussing music or creating music and putting it out there, and, you know, that's something that I've always kind of um, found hard too, and something that I've never really, you know, like music that I made with Cam or with other people, I have a whole bunch of it. I just have a whole bunch of it myself because it's in varying different stages. Some of them are complete songs, some of them whatever, whatever. And there's been tons of times of like, oh, maybe I can just post this, put on SoundCloud and just say, you know, hey, everyone want to listen to this and yada, yada, yada. But then I just don't because it's just like, you know, it's like a countering act in your head, you know, like, oh, this can go out and it could have this impact or it could go out and it could be, I guess the biggest part of it is the fear of it being ignored. Yeah. Like not even necessarily people hating it, at least that's a reaction. You know, at least you'd be like, okay, well, I suck, yeah. and I should stop. It'd be more like, you know, you put it out, and it's just like, it's just in the ether. Just yeah. nobody knows it exists. That's yeah, right. that's worse to me. 
And that's why it's like, unless you're sure, I guess that's where the whole commercialism aspect of music even came from in the first place is that like so many acts would have just compromised and made things that they knew were going to be mass heard or distributed and yeah. seen at least vaguely positively because they're like, oh, fuck, like, this is me. This is a piece of me that's out there. Yeah. I think that though if you were to put something out there and that it, end up, it did end up in that um, situation where it was being ignored or there, there was no attention being paid to it, um, that would really prove your your um, liking of the thing. You know that would that would that would that there your your reaction to that would determine how thoroughly invested you are in that practice. Because mm-hmm. if you if you put something like you've been doing music your whole life, if you were to post a track now and everyone ignored it and you got no feedback about it. You would you wouldn't go well. Fuck! I'm just going to stop making music because no oh, one gets yeah. it. You know, because no one got it. Yeah. So it, it, if anything, it should be a drive. You know, it should be like okay, well, you need to at least start the. You need to yeah. get the wheels turning. You do, yeah, you know? for sure. Like you can't just expect to come out with your your first EP and it's going to be brilliant. Be massive, for You're sure. going to build yourself for up sure. to people like sure. okay, Liam's Liam's doing some Liam's shit. Liam's there. You can yeah. see that. You, not many people would probably listen to it. Granted, the amount of people I follow that post new shit that they have all the time. Like I'm not going in every single time yeah, I see someone post something, yeah. listening to everything. There's tons of things that have gone over my head, but I know about. Yeah. But at least you can see that, and that that's the power of social media. For sure, is to be able to see that someone is working. So I think fuck it. Just but that's do it. yeah. Well, that's the other part of it. So I probably will at some stage just collate. Like worst case scenario, just take it down. Yeah. Doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I know for sure. The amount of things that I've posted online. And being like, taken down. oh, fucking no one liked it and took it down. And, yeah. and then the next day comes around. Yeah. I guess it's just something. But I understand it's it's it's, it's sort of it can like, also be a personal thing too. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's sort of like in the, the stage, it's sort of like the stage transported into a medium, hmm. you know, and like that's, that's something that I still sort of struggle with anyway. It's like performing live and sometimes feeling really good and being like, oh, you know, like, this is it, this is it, I'm clicking, I'm getting it. Mm. And getting feedback and then, you know, just being like, oh, man, and then you just do another completely random situation and you're just in another environment and it's just not the same. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, is this, you know, what? it's like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a natural cycle of things. You know, you, you dribble a basketball, then you expect to be able to shoot a basketball, then you be able to expect to be able to consistently shoot a basketball, you know, it's like, Music is like that, and that you dribble the basketball, you have the first couple of good performances when, you, when you're younger, and you feed off that energy of getting it from the crowd or your parents or your teachers or whatever. And you're like, "Wow, this is this is the affirmation that's inside of me is being affirmed in other people's reactions to me," sort of thing. But then a whole bunch of other bullcrap that it's just part of adult interaction and like sort of human interaction as you get older, just all combines, you know? Yeah, right. It's like I've said to people, like, I could much rather play in front of, you know, a a thousand people I don't know than 50 people I do know, Um, you know? And I have, I kind of have done that before, you know? Like, some of the best performances I feel like I've had are, like, on, you know, those OUSA lawn, like, International Food Festival stuff, and just nobody, nobody's looking at you, nobody's paying attention to anything, and you're just, like, you're just in it, and you it had flies and you're just like, oh, fuck, that was really good. And then sometimes people will come up to you and be like, oh, that was really nice and yada, and you gain that little small amount. Mm. But then I'll play in front of fucking three of my friends. And I'll just be like, yeah, fuck, you know, 
like yeah. I don't know what's happening. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know why yeah. this is happening. Right. And then it's just like, fuck, is that, is that something that ever goes away? And it should, and it will. Mm. But it's just. It's the curse of music, I suppose. Yeah. What's well, the do, curse of anything, you really? You actually have to perform something. But yeah. it's sort of like that. It's sort of like this, too, is that it's. It's it, this one's a funny one because I never felt particularly nervous coming on to this podcast and talking. Obviously, because we're friends and like I don't visually, I don't envision. Even though I know that people that have listened to this and come up to us and talk to us about it and ask us about it and still do to this day, I don't envision those people listening to it or hearing my voice when they're listening to it. You know, and possibly because I haven't really listened to the, I have listened to these conversations eventually. But I don't listen to them after they've happened. Yeah, like and Fair like enough. a lot of people probably say that as well. Yeah, I'm sure Judah and stuff will probably say that too. That they recorded it and then they probably just didn't really yeah. listen to it, or they probably just that's you know. Fine. And they, that, that's just it. Just is what it is, you know. It's like, you know, you said how you have to get used to mixing your own voice. Yeah. When you're making these podcasts, it's the same kind of thing, you know, like just becoming accustomed. Yeah. Well, some musicians might love to listen to the sound of own, and I think every musician sort of does to a point. Well, yeah. If you're listening to yourself. Singing, but listening to yourself be, talk is different. Yeah, yeah, but still, still, it's a concept that is uh, you're least you know accustomed to is hearing yourself. Yeah, regardless of what it is. But I've, I've had a few people come on and say that they're probably not going to listen to it back, and that's fine because I'm not really expecting someone to come and talk to me for two hours and then go listen to themselves for two, for two hours, hours. You yeah. know, it's yeah. no, the, the point is to have the conversation for others. Yeah, so the the, the point for me and the guest is to have the chat. The point of the podcast is to have it for everyone else. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've listened to a full episode back. Maybe the first one, yeah. just because I was doing so much editing and so nervous about putting the first one out to be sure of everything and had to listen to it all through to make sure we didn't talk about some bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it was, which I do speak a lot of. Oh, I apologise. We, we the speak radio. a fair bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of stuff that gets cut out of these. <laughs> that, um, you should be glad it gets cut out of these. <laughs> but that's that's the only time I've really gone through thoroughly and like listen. Secret to stuff cabal and, of lizard people is running the world. What is this whole fucking? Thing? <laughs> Actually, no. I take back my question. <laughs> Go into it. I wanted nah, to talk wait, about something that that we just mentioned before. So, how where do you stand on like? Um, so, say say you have a, a favorite uh, artist, be it musician, be it actor. Those are the two main examples that I can sort of explain mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. So you have a favourite actor. They have the great roles in movies. They want, every time they put a film out, you love it. They're great. You support their work. And then it comes out that they were they were racist, blatantly racist, yeah. you know, or, or they, they, they'd done something in the realm of rape, molestation, right. that sort of thing. Do you stop watching their films? Well, that's an interesting thing. There's a conversation I had with um, some friends the other day about Roman Polanski, right? So Roman Polanski obviously made some very, very good movies. Um, you know, Chinatown, Rosemary's Baby. This is a director? Yeah, he's a f- – yeah. So um, so he's kind of one of the key examples, I think, in the whole sort of art against the artist sort of debates, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because he – he basically drugged and raped a 13-year-old girl, was arrested for it, let out on bail, and ran away. He left the United States and went to France, and he's been living there for 40-plus years, escaping the punishment of what he'd done, basically. And he continued to make movies. He made a movie, 
um, in like 2000 and remember in 2000, 2001, 2002 called The Pianist and it had Adrian Brody in it and it won, oh. won the best, best picture Oscar, right? Right. While he was in hiding and he'd been filming it in Switzerland and France because he couldn't go back to the United States. And he won the Oscar for the best director. And there was a big controversy at the time where lots of people weren't standing up and clapping and, you know, applauding him because of what he had done. But a lot of people were, you know. So there was the debate between, you know, are people applauding the cinema and the people that aren't applauding are against the man for what he'd done sort of thing. It was mm. like this sort of, you know, well, that's Contrast. that's sort of why I asked because you you said something when we were talking about the Smiths before. You were saying like it was just Morrissey that the, yeah. that was someone was that was saying sure. this crazy stuff. I think it depends on what film. they've done. Yeah. It depends on what they've done. Yeah, I'm not attached enough to Roman Polanski. His his films haven't had enough of an impact on my life yeah. for me to have this sort of unconscious support of. The art, anyway. Yeah. So that one's a hard example for me. So personally, I think what he did is absolutely abhorrent and not really in the realm of forgiveness. You know, I think that if there's somebody that has, you know, said a racist thing or done things that are considered to be, you know, in the ever-changing sort of zeitgeist of humanity, unpopular at one time against another, and they show remorse or change or whatever then I don't think that should be held against them in most cases. But somebody raping a 13-year-old, that's that's just something that's never it's never going to change in terms of the morality of it. You know, it's never going to – it's not like you can say, oh, you know, raping and molesting a, a 13-year-old girl in 1977 was okay because it wasn't. It never was. It never is. It never will be. So that part of it is harder to separate. But you get someone, say, like Eric Clapton, who I've always found interesting as an example of somebody who wasn't really caught up in the whole sort of Me Too slash re-examining the, the wrongs of the past sort of movement that had happened, where he was in the middle of like his sort of heroin alcohol phase in the 1970s. He got up on stage and basically had a massive rant where he said how everyone who wasn't white needed to get out of the concert and leave England and he was going to be voting for this politician Enoch Powell who was supporting like far right people you know he was saying you know I won't say what he said but he basically said all these people get out you know referring to Pakistani people and black people and like keep Britain white basically and he got fucked up he was fucked up at the time and said it right and later he came out when people had kind of come out and been like hey remember 1975 when you said this like this is this is fucked like this is actually you ranted on this and you never really apologised for it and you still haven't apologised for it. And he's like, his reasoning was sort of like, he never really has apologised for it. He's just been like, oh, I, I I, don't actually think that this is wrong, yada, yada. And he, he just hasn't seemed to have been affected as much by that. And he can keep doing things like that. Like six months ago, not even six months ago, maybe three months ago, him and Van Morrison released an album an anti-lockdown album mm. <laughs> that basically came out and was just talking crap about the British government for putting mm. them in lockdown, saying how COVID was a lie, how they were lying about all this stuff. Jeez. So basically more stuff that is sort of mm. antithetical to what most artistical, liberal, or left-minded people would consider to be okay. You know what I mean? So in a long-winded way to answer the question, it's so broad and it's yeah. it's so in such a massive scope and it covers such a massive range of arts that it doesn't really have anything to do with any of those subjects. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with art 
or politics or music or whatever because intrinsically humans are complex and mm. way different from person to person and it like it's it's been demonstrated that it doesn't really matter what level of fame wealth socioeconomic class race whatever everyone has done fucked up shit yeah. and most of the time if you examine it especially from an artistic lens you know so if i was to explicitly go into my judgment on those sort of topics and say I'm never going to listen to the Smiths because Morrissey did this, or I'm never going to listen to an Eric Clapton record because Eric Clapton did this, whatever. There'd be not much that I could choose from yeah. to do. And I'm not using that as an excuse to say that their actions were, were fine. And and I don't, I'm not unsupportive of people who are going back and saying, hey, remember, like, you know, what you've done is actually wrong. And I, and I, I, I support people that are going back to, to shine a lens on that, to show other people that why they think what happened was wrong. Mm. But to completely remove somebody's artistic output because of those events, unless they were really bad, like unless they're like sort of serial molest, like an R. Kelly situation yeah, or things right. like that, those are sort of off the outlier sort of scenarios. Yeah. But like it, it, it goes with what we were almost saying just before. It's like nothing is married to an artistic output. You know, there's a, opinions, viewpoints, perspective, whatever – Stand alone, all those things can stand alone because that's just they they are created. They're sort of birth. They're like children that don't ever age, you know. So it's fucking broad. It's a, it's a hard question to ask. Really, it's long winded. Yeah. And that and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it because it's it, it is a weird thing when someone that you thought you knew and in, in a celebrity status, you know, was a certain type of way, and then something comes out like that. It's just weird. And and just to go back to talking about that. That movie. What was the director of the pianist that we were talking about? Uh, Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski. So, I mean, in that situation, that begs the question to me, at least. Um, so, in, in the original question that I'd asked, I was I was referring to how do you interpret the art before an event? But in that case, like, there's already something that has happened. How do you look at that film? with the knowledge that presumably everyone involved yeah, in that movie oh, knew, knew about oh, yeah, that. 100%. So like, There's no way you couldn't have because exactly. they had to go to France to film with him. Right. So you have to assume that everyone involved in that made their decision to film with this person with the yep. knowledge of what had happened. 100%. So then how do you interpret the people that are involved in the film? Like is that film just sort of do yeah. you just do you just ignore that film or do you still yeah. like it's it's well, weird to th- to think that there's a whole group of people that knew about what it's what someone had done and that's, involved themselves in something that could be detrimental to their own career. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I think that's the thing that a lot of people have sort of come out and said is one of the main criticisms towards Hollywood is that there's a standard there that doesn't apply to people outside of that industry because mm. they're, they're seen as creating art that is above that moral code or that sort of civil code that everybody else in the world abides by. And another good example of that is, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. The director of Bohemian Rhapsody was a man who directed the X-Men movies. And he also directed a movie in 1997 called Apt Pupil that had Ian McKellen and Chris McDonnell in it. And when he was filming this movie, this movie's about a, um, a young child who friends an elderly man who turns out to be a neo-nazi and then he's like kind of trying to groom him into the ways of neo-nazi uh, and he's a former nazi 
and he tries to groom him into being like the Nazis were right, yada, yada. That's the crux of the film. Not long after that film came out, a whole bunch of child extras came out and said that they were instructed to film a scene for this for that film completely in the nude, in the shower, with a whole cast of crew around, uh, a small crew, like a, a small than would normally be there for one scene, with this director and like a couple other people, like people who are barely necessary to actually shoot the film, uh, the scene physically. And were told that the film, that that piece, that scene was not included in the film. So the scene wasn't in the film and nobody has seen it. And basically it's kind of accepted that he basically just found an excuse to film these children naked in a shower while they were filming a Hollywood film and kept it to himself. And then years later, was had been had, it, had, it had publicly come out that this that these allegations had been made against him, and he still directed Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody was still like lauded as a as a really big film, and nobody ever came out and said, you know, hey, wait, this this director actually did something that's borderline bordering pedophilia, if not worse. You know what I mean? So there's a whole bunch of cases, not just, uh, you know, restricted to Hollywood, where that happens, where people look the other way. And I guess that's where the Me Too movement came in as well, was that so many people were looking the other way for so long in such a large scale that it all came in at once and it still probably hasn't been found out. But I guess those people made a conscious decision in the case of Roman Polanski that it was better for their career to ignore the immorality of what had happened and take the clout of working with somebody whose art, who's considered, if you look at a list of directors of all time, Roman Polanski would probably be on the top 10 in a lot of them because of the impact of the movies that he had made, had made, you know. So you're weighing up, you know, I'm working with a guy who sodomized a child versus I'm working with a guy who's still making movies that are an Oscar level and that the buzz around Hollywood is such that his movies are going to be respected regardless of the fact that the artist has done something abhorrent, you know. Man, I mean, that's just as an actor, I don't even know if I'd want to take the gamble. Like, no matter the role, you know, it just there's still an association there which I would be just so incredibly uncomfortable with. And some don't, you know, some, 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 some kind of are people who are away from Hollywood famously because of the political views that you have to hold or the moral views or the social views or whatever that you have to hold it's generally accepted to be successful in those circles. And those are the same sort of, that's, that's not restricted to Hollywood. That's something that happens in all, like almost every community everywhere in the world, really, isn't it? You know, I'm sure we could go up to Wellington and find a group of people who are in the political sector that hold very specific views. And there'd be a whole lot of stuff that's going on that isn't probably on the level. Like, you know, we saw with the two musicians, in mm. Wellington not long ago, mm. you know. And that's something that if we if that hadn't had been exposed, then you just wouldn't know about it anyway. But Yeah. Yeah, I've I don't know. It's um it's not a it's it's not a Hollywood thing. I mean like it 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 is something that happens in Hollywood, but it's not a Hollywood thing. It's a human interaction it's a it's an adapting morality thing. Yeah. You know. And it's a change in like power becoming the 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 position in which people can can shape 
what the people around them think of things and et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah. Not so much. I think people like to think that we're all sort of morally um, equal and we all sort of have the same sort of viewpoints on everything because you and I feel that these things are wrong, therefore the people we meet are going to feel that these things are wrong. But all the time it's just not the way it is, yeah. you know? And like whether that's something that needs to be explored more and taught more and educated about more, which I think it probably is. I think it's, I think that there's this weird sort of thing that's happened where it's kind of like children and people are educated. It's like the stranger danger factor of things. And, you know, that a person with bad moral judgment is going to come to you in a, in a certain shape or size. But it's just not how it happens. Mm. And, and then even the statistics know that as well. You know, people who get, um, you know, molested tend to get molested by people that they know, people in their family or, th- or things like connections that are pretty innocent on the surface or whatever and, and aren't really innocent. Yeah. You know? It's the, the irony in it is that, yeah, a lot of the times it's not the dark figure standing on the corner of the street. It's the one that's telling you to be aware of those things you know even in some cases like the, the one that's closest to you can be the one that is the problem and it's so that's where a lot of it happens is where it's so you're blindsided really by something that you think you're safe around and uh, you can sort of open up to and sort of basically leave yourself vulnerable for something and and, and the people that are that are you know doing those acts or whatever are aware of that situation and that's the scariest part of it all and you, you can't really teach that because it's you know as humans you're you're affectionate and you're comfortable around the people that you mm. are supposed to be comfortable around so yeah just like how do you how do you teach that how do you teach how do you teach kids that there's potentially someone in their family that mm. is going to hurt them in some way you mm. know like that's just yeah it's, it's just it's, awful yeah yeah but anyways, we're gonna <laughs> this leads off to we're on the film subject anyway, we're talking about Roman Polanski, but I was thinking about this concept the other day. We watched a film called The Colour of Money. Right. And it We had, being uh, me and a couple of friends. Uh, <laughs> and um you wanna know more copper? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um um uh, me and a couple of friends and Where do you watch it? Uh, your mama's house. <laughs> um, no, at, at a friend's place. No, um, and it had two. Paul, fr- how many it, friends? It had Paul Newman <laughs> and Tom Cruise in it. It was a Tom Cruise movie from the eighties. It's from like nineteen eighty six, I think it is. Right. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. So, if Tom Cruise had died in like nineteen ninety five, he would be up there with like um, he'd be at like Marlon Brando, James <laughs> Dean level. Like honestly, like he's. He's so likable in his old movies. Mm. Like he's he's actually so good in a lot of those older films. Like he's just like you can. It's like he's devoid of ego. You know, it's just yeah. it's fucking crazy. It's it's like watching them and being like, man, this guy just wanted to be an actor, and then he gets sucked into this cult and like he turns into the biggest action star in the world, yeah, and then he's just crazy. done. You know, he's just this whole perspective and his whole the way people view him is completely different. Mm. But you know, what like, was this cutoff movie? What was this cutoff movie? That's a good <laughs> question. Well, some people. Well, I don't know if nineteen ninety five is. I just think nineteen ninety five would be a good date because he would have been like, I don't know, how would he have been thirty in his early thirties? Yeah. He, I don't know, like you know, 
some people will say the eyes wide shut uh, that came out in 1999. That lots of people like that's Stanley Kubrick's last movie. Lots of people really like that film. Lots of people hate it. I personally think it's pretty average. But <laughs> but lots of people would say, you know, that was a good movie that he was in. And then lots of people say, like, Edge of Tomorrow was a good movie he was in. That came out in, like, 2012 or something. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. like, all the Mission Impossible films. Oh, they crap, man. Yeah. I've never liked a single Mission Impossible movie. They don't movie. look very I don't opinion. understand. Uh, like, I don't, I don't begrudge people enjoying these movies, but I've never understood the hype behind Bourne movies. Mission Impossible movies, Fast and Furious movies. I mean, if it ended at Tokyo <laughs> Drift, bro, all good. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like, because what's that, the sixth or seventh one? What one? Tokyo Drift? Yeah. The second one. The the Wait, what? Tokyo Drift is the second one. The second movie? Yeah. What? It's the th- No, it's the third one. Yeah. Fast and Furious, Too Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Oh, uh, yeah, no, okay, yeah. I think I had watched it as the sixth movie. Right. I think I, because I cocked up the order. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah but I, like, I, I, none yes, of that. I've you never looked at those Bourne movies and those Mission Impossible movies. Nah. Like, that was something that I wanted to see. Some movies are just too complex. Like, they I don't want to watch fucking, like, Angels I, and Demons. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that yeah. just, to me, is just, just too much. Long haired like, Tom Hanks doesn't do it for you? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I don't have the time. I don't have the time yeah. to watch a movie like that, and and like I, I actually don't know what those Bourne movies are really about, but I just know it's something. It's just a guy that loses his memory and like has right. to regather that he's this fucking killer super agent sort of thing. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> <laughs> just turns it on right now. Like uh, pull up, let's yeah. pull up. Well, I like Matt Damon. Matt Damon, <laughs> yeah. Um, How good would it be to have a Boston accent? Yeah. How do you like damn apples? I, I just like the way they say bar. <laughs> Gonna get a drink at the bar. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. See, I like Goodwill Hunting, you know, and lots of people love Goodwill Hunting, but I feel like each time I watch it again, it gets a little bit worse. <laughs> you, know, you know? You know? I feel like it's sometimes I see through Robin Williams a wee bit. It's hard to watch him sometimes in nah, roles. See, I don't think Robin Williams is a problem in that movie. Oh, he's brilliant. I, he's brilliant. But like, I think you know, Matt Damon is a problem in that watch movie. Flubber watch Flubber and then watch, <laughs> watch Good Wounding. You know? Dude, don't be shitting on Flubber. Bro. Oh, I'm not. I'm just saying like they're quite, that's two quite different films yeah. with the same actor, you know. Uh, yeah. But then I guess that's what makes a good actor is to be, to be flexible. Yeah. Like, nah, like Flubber. Yeah. yeah. You knew that Robin Williams was being serious when he either had a beard or like <laughs> a completely different hair color. That's when he was like, oh shit, this is a serious Robin Williams movie. Yeah. He has some good serious movies. I, I, I He's got know. some great films. Yeah. Did you ever watch Hook? Oh, fuck yeah. Of course you did. We, we, we have like the same childhood. Was Hook? Yeah, it's a classic Hook film. Was, Hook was the bomb. That's a Do you really know how many celebrity film. cameos are in Hook, bro? So many. I probably need to watch it again, actually. But fucking Phil Collins that. is in that movie, bro. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have not been my first pick. Mm. Bro. It's a classic film. I feel sorry for him. Julia, Julia Roberts? Julia Roberts, yeah. She's in there. Though. Yeah. So I almost yeah. figured her name, but I didn't that time. Yeah. Classic film. She can act. She can act. Do you know I started watching one of her movies? It was that like Eat, You're Pray, Love or some, bo- some oh, bullshit God. like that. Eat, Pray, Love. Because I, 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 I'll, I'll admit I love a good chick flick and I thought that's what that was going to be in it as a chick flick, but that's all like not mm. the kind of flick that I enjoyed. Like I literally, I never, 
it takes it t- has to be a pretty fucking bad movie for me to like exit within the first 10 15 I love minutes really bad if it's that is if one the of the movie ones is I, really 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 bad though like straight yeah, from the you get-go, like, you I like won't stop you watching, like bro. 50s like just but outside of hollywood bad. movies like no, that, that's one, not we, bad. that one that's... we pulled off on that streaming service that one night that that fucking what the fuck was that the one we just finished watching Dragonheart and then we pulled up some random like 50s film i don't know what one was it I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but it was some. It was some like real corny car gang related sort of thing. I can't remember. That was probably way off. I just remember watching a scene. There was a car, and there was like that they were about to go and do something. There was a gang of them, and it was oh, real was corny. It like on the waterfront or something. I don't know what it was called. It was no. It was. I don't think it was like a popular film. You just oh. wanted to watch like a shitty film, and oh, I couldn't right. stand it. But you were like enjoying it. And I was like, can we fucking stop watching this shit, please. Honestly, like I can, I can appreciate like the the irony in watching a bad movie. Like I I've definitely like if I can recommend one bad movie, one good bad movie to watch would be the GI Joe film. Like that first GI oh Joe. Oh my film. god, Jesus Christ, I dude! About that movie in a it was long time. so bad that it was funny. Mm. But there's also some movies that are just so bad that it's like I can't yeah. actually watch this. But that was like it was all done well in terms of like the cinematography, but the content was just so like cheesy, but like enough that it was just verging on comedic. Yeah. I, I remember going to watch um Where the Wild Things Are, the movie when I was in high oh, school. Jesus, it must have been in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. That sounds Holy shit, it was a bad movie. It was so bad. It was just like... I can't imagine it was really good. It wasn't like... I like bad movies when they're just... When they just... They just commit to the badness. You know, when they just commit to how creepy they are right from the get-go. It's like the movie signals to you that this is a piece of crap. I'm I'm like, (laughs) sweet, I'm strapped strapped me in. Like, this is good. Like, I'm ready to laugh at how stupid, like, the fact that people waste so much time making this movie. That's the funny thing about it all, man. It's like the amount of people that those things go through and not one person has gone. Oh, they do. Guys. They just don't. They just don't want to stop the gravy train. You know, you're getting paid. Like, have you ever, you know, you're, you're at your work and you're like, bro. This is some stupid shit our manager's got us on right now. He's he's got me to do. He's literally getting me to go in the back, grab this pallet, take it out of the end of the store, man. Fuck him. <laughs> how, how, many, how many conversations were you happening in the movie? Like, Retail you know, drama, right? It's like, it's like you yeah, know, when, when George that's Lucas true. was making Phantom Menace, there's no way that the animators weren't coming home at night and being their wife like, honey, you know, you know how I told you I was so excited to work on the Star Wars movie? Motherfuckers got me working on this guy called Jar Jar Banks, and he is the <laughs> stupidest motherfucker I've yeah, ever created in a, a film. Point. But that's I can't step in and tell this guy shit because yeah. he made the whole thing. Yeah, I can't tell him that's anything. True. I suppose there's one person leading. Like, you, there's a boss in, in filmmaking still, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. You know, I forgot that the Wild Things was even, where the Wild Things are was even a thing. And do you know why? Because right. there's that fucking song called "Where the Wild Things Are." It's some pop song. Oh, you might have heard it. It's just. People take themes like that, you know, yeah. childhood sort of themes and turn it into like a pop song. And there's a, a song of the chorus just literally goes, find me where the wild things are. Mm. And this is just a lame pop song. And, and that the amount of times that I've heard that song has just drained out the, the actual premise of what that is, which is that book. And you've just yeah. reminded me now of what that is. It's a weird power Speaking of, of childhood things, Free Britney, eh? Free Britney. So, what the, okay, tell me what's happening here. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um... She's popping well, up in the news again. Yeah. Um, I think it came out in the news today Britney. because they're, they're 
she's currently in a lawsuit with um, her father to have the state of conservatorship taken out of her father's hands over her life, over her finance, basically. So when she had like the – she has bipolar disorder, basically. When she had the sort of breakdown, quote-unquote – Remember when she shaved her head and to the, the, the paparazzi fucking harassed being piece of shit. Um, they placed a, a conservatorship on her, which meant that her father basically had guardian, even though she's an adult, her father had guardianship over her, like in terms of her finance and and all of that. But basically what happened is that her dad never gave it up. So it was ages ago. It was 15 years ago, if not more. And she's basically come out and being like, you know, I'm medicated for bipolar disorder. I'm, you know, seeking treatment, whatever. But I, I don't want my father in charge of these finances because he's manipulating my image and he's manipulating me, basically, in my finance for his own gain, whatever. So basically, yeah, that, that's what the legal battle is about, is about removing that conservatorship from from him, her father. Her father sounds like a piece of shit, basically. Her father is like fully just invested in living the lifestyle on her work and her talent and whatever, you know. But not even like, you know, he's like going full like balls to the wall, spending all of her money, jets, food, yada, yada, yada. Um, and basically that's where I think the, the documentary came out about her basically. No, I think I haven't watched it so I can't be quoted verbatim. But I think it, it generally covers – this story in a sort of Finding Neverland, Surviving R. Kelly style. Right. And that that documentary has been used as evidence in court and it's sort of public opinion thing. And it's it's pretty sad that in 2021 to get shit done, basically you need a, docu- a Netflix documentary mm-hmm. to help support your case, yeah. basically, before anything will be done. Um, but, yeah, basically it's, I guess, the whole, it's one of those sort of arguments about the autonomy of people with mental illness, like bipolar disorder stuff, to be in, uh, in charge of their own life. Yeah. And somebody who's medicated for it 100% should be allowed to be in charge of their own life because if, if you can't trust somebody who's being legally medicated to be in charge of their own state of affairs, what's the point of them being medicated? You know, right. If the whole point of them is to be a functioning member of society, you can't take their functions away from them because what's the point of medicating them? You might as well just have them sedated. So, so guardianship doesn't... Ended any given time. It's it's, it's no, it, a, do, it does. Once you're eighteen, like so, legal so guardianship of somebody. It, how is it? Because it's a conservatorship, it so it's it's different. The whole concept is like, like um, Brian Wilson, who I'm a big fan of the Beach Boys, he was placed in a conservatorship because his it's basically a, a point where people appeal to the state or to the legal body wherever you are whether it's your family members or a group or your management or whatever, appeals to the state to be like, this person is in a diminished state where they cannot be responsible for their own financial actions or their own... It's usually financial, but it's like they can't be solely responsible for the decisions made in their, in their career. And the state can place sort of like a... almost like a power of attorney state for one person over another, you know? So Britney Spears' dad would have appealed to the state or to whatever, to the courts, when she was having this meltdown to be like, my daughter, who is related to me by blood, who is my daughter, I am the most responsible person to be in charge of her finance and to be in control of her, um, to to be the one that decides when she goes into medical care involuntarily or other, 
or otherwise, excuse me. And basically she's gotten to the point where she's coherent and, well, de- you know, debatable, but like, you know, if she's medicated and being treated properly, then she is coherent where she doesn't want him to be in that conservative position anymore because he's using it to abuse his power and just siphon all of her money, basically. And it happens often, especially with, ch- like, you know, child stars and actors and, yeah, very common thing. And it used to happen a lot more in the day. I think in Britain it's called um, it's called um, a ward of the court. So basically if you're younger, I think that it mostly applies for when you're younger but over the age of 18. And where people can apply and be like, this person needs to be made a ward of the court, basically where somebody is legally appointed to oversee their finance and their day-to-day movement so that they're not fucking yeah. destroying themselves. Yeah, whatever. right. Yeah. But it's pretty outdated concept. Yeah. And pretty um, pretty silly overall, really. Yeah, sounds as though. And, or and or the there concept, should be a limit on it. Yeah. It should be like a conservatorship should last five, ten years, five years. Ten years too long, five years. Yeah. The concept as a whole just seems bizarre. Well, not not bizarre, but just like a, an adult looking after an adult, you know. But mm. granted, obviously, you know, reason being there's, there's reason as to why they, they potentially may not be able to look after those things themselves. But still, it's, it's a weird thing to think about and, and sad, really. Like, I feel like there's so many situations where not necessarily like celebrities like that, and particularly female celebrities are, are you know, have someone that has some sort of control over them. Like you look at um, Keisha, Kesha, mm. like all that the shit that was going on with her. Her like, one was really fucked yeah, up. Yeah, that was just like, oh my God. Like, And she had to work with them afterwards as well? There, there seems to be some sort of like, um, you know, this stigmatized almost thing where like female artists need to be looked after or need to have yeah. people like in charge, whereas male artists can seem to don't really have any blunders like this, get, or at least that I know. Yeah, I think you get a lot more leeway yeah, as a male. Yeah. And I think that's what's fucked up is that, like, if you're pressured by a record company early on in your career to to portray the sort of promiscuity, um, you know, attainable girl thing that lots of record companies tend to sort of press as part of the artist imagery, that gets used against you later on to be like, oh, you know, they're... Look how susceptible they were to look. Look how easy it was to convince them to to convince her to go on stage wearing yeah. only this. Like yeah. she's she's loose. She's easy. She's yeah. influenceable. She's not in a in a clear mental state. It's like that's just fucked. You wouldn't do that to a to a man. You like you know you wouldn't do you shouldn't do that to anybody. But like traditionally, that's how it sort of happened. You know. But, yeah, man, it's, it's fucked watching like performances we know. And it's typically like looking back on performances of things where you know something's happened, like watching what someone's been going through in their career and then like watching, you know, like a Netflix documentary about stuff that was going on behind the stage and then like rewatching their performances with the knowledge of what was happening at the time and what yeah. was going through the artist's head and still having to like live through the performance, get through yeah. everything. Like, like that's fucking well, It's like what happened with Ariana Grande. Like I was, I was fully surprised that she ever performed again. What, what happened? When she, that bombing at her concert in Manchester. Oh, what? With that bomb went off in the crowd. Whoa. Like I killed all those people that. and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't even fuck? longer. That was like, what, three years ago? Two years ago? Whoa. Four years ago? Not even that long ago. She, did, she didn't even stop for that long. She stopped for like a month. Jesus. And then she was touring. Again. It's like, I'd never play music again. If people got murdered at a show that I played at, I'd never want to do that again. You know, like... 
And I bet she probably fucking didn't for ages and probably still struggles with it. But like, that's messed up. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many. Surely, surely a few people. I know a lot of people got um, got uh, injured. Was it a suicide bomb or was it? It was a, a bomb that someone had planted. Um, so uh, it says here uh, a shrapnel laden homemade bomb. Uh, as people were leaving the Manchester Arena following a concert, I guess it was after oh, people were leaving. We got right. down, 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 so it wasn't like you were performing and you saw. No, people. but still, like she still would have been around. One thousand seventeen people were injured, and twenty three were killed. Fuck. Yeah. Manchester, man. Um, crazy. Yeah, that's that's messed up shit. That's seriously messed up shit. I or wonder that, what the the premise of was, you know. The premise, like why the person did it? Yeah. I was like an Islamic extremist, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But That's crazy. It's scary to think now that like any time that you're in a crowd, something like that can happen, you know? Yeah. Especially in America. Yeah. Well, that's like, um, yeah, I'm surprised things like, you know, movie theaters are still going. Um, obviously, yeah, they crazy. probably won't be for very long because of coronavirus and streaming. But then things like, you know, remember when the the Batman, when the Dark Knight came out and that guy killed all the people in that theatre in Aurora, he killed like 50, 60 people. And lots of people didn't like react because they thought it was part of the film. You know, they didn't like get up and leave their seat. What, like a shooting? Yeah, he went in and closed the doors and started shooting people. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell, man. Yep. Do you, think, do you think that there's a population of America that are just really like not mentally stable do you think it's gun oh, control laws oh my god what was the second part of the question sorry do you think it's more like shootings in america are more to do with mental instability or gun control laws both, it's both. i think they're both like i think like do you think that if we there was the same gun control laws that we had say here in america there would still be mass shootings? i don't think our gun control people. laws were good either uh, yeah, not not to say that they are, but vastly different to what. Yeah, so no, I think that um, it's a bad, it's a dangerous cocktail, basically, yeah. of a whole bunch of people that are, you know, just it's so many. Th- it's almost so large that we could talk about it forever. Yeah. But it's like, it's it's all of the issues in America at once. At once, it's education, it's mental health, it's healthcare, it's like. Prop, military propaganda, mm. it's um, nationalism, all of those rolled into every, like that's why it's, you know, they don't help themselves, let's put it that way, because they're so tied to this constitution that was, you know, created the country so long ago. But I don't think getting rid of or putting tighter controls on guns or banning so-called mentally ill people from attaining those weapons would strictly lead to a drop in those events happening. I think that those, they're not, they're not surveillable. They're not predictable. That's why they are so damaging is because they're just not, there isn't any logic to them. And to get into the mindset of somebody who's going to commit those acts would require you to be one of those people yourself. And that's the only way that you'd ever be able to stop that from happening you know I don't think there's ever really been somebody who's been so committed to committing one of those acts and then stopped and then gone to the police and said I was going to go and 
murder all of these people right. because they can't. Yeah. And that's what's sad about the whole scenario is that those are the people that could provide real insight and help and really get to the bottom of those issues if if, if they were listened to, but they're not. Like, yeah. If you were to go to the police and say, I had this plan to go into a movie theater and murder all of these people, they wouldn't say, oh, you're so brave for coming to, to tell us about this. Like, mm. thank you for not doing it. They'd be like, That's an immediate motherfucker, yeah. you're going to prison right now. Yeah. So not only did you not get to commit it, but you're going to prison for the same amount of time, even yeah. if you did. Yeah, that's fucked. But yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're someone in that situation, you're not probably not thinking too clearly about who to even go to. Like, I guess no. that is the sort of first point of call, but you would want to go probably more towards some some sort of therapy yeah. or some description, which is, which is still a crazy then, thing to do. That? Like, yeah. How do you get that? And, you know, therapy is so far away from being... <clears throat> for being destigmatized mm. globally, yeah, you know, like it's it's weird. It's like the concept of of therapy and psychiatry and everything has reached so many levels of media and influence and whatever, but it's still so foreign. And and it's also, you know, it's kind of disheartening because you think that people our generation make sort of steps towards understanding that and supporting others in it. But then the kind of music that's still popularized is still, it's glamorous to be depressed or it's glamorous to, you know, perceive things in a select way together, you know, mm. like it's almost like it's, um, I think that's one of the sort of the issues that's surrounded kind of like, you know, people like X and, 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 and artists like that, that is damaging in a way is that it's like, you know, this is a guy who should still be alive if he if you took the art away from him mm. and kind of looked at the root cause and be like, hey, why were you going on Twitter and inviting people to come and murder you, basically, you know, because that's that's not normal, you know, at any level of success, you know. If you were to say to me, oh, I was going into, I was, you know, fucked up on perks, going into town and, like, trying to get people to beat mm. me up, I'd be like, bro, Let's like go see someone about yeah, for that. For sure, you know? for sure. But I think someone in that situation, like someone like X, someone like Six Nine, are only really saying those things because they're at the level of the fame they're at. Like it's part of it's part of the the persona to be in such a position of power to be able to say, "Come get me, I'm here." You know, for sure. But like, aside from the like kind of toxic masculinity aspect of that, where you're like. I'm fucking Tony yeah, Montana. I'm not, I'm not promoting that No, 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 no I'm not yeah. saying you are. I'm not saying you are. But you're like, the, it's like the Tony Montana last scene, the Scarface, yeah, yeah, motherfuckers, yeah. I'm on top. Like, yeah. I'll take all your bullets. Yeah. Come fucking try to stop me. Yeah. That in itself, and if you use that, even use that movie as as, a, as an allegory to that, that's the that's the downfall. That's yeah. the end. You know, yeah. that's, that's not something that you're coming out of positively. That's kind of the tailspin for all of these guys where it's like somebody should – you know, be stepping in and being like, you know, aside from all the posturing and all the shit, it's like, it's not like there isn't a, a, a book this thick yeah. showing you all the examples of people who tried to posture and whoever, whoever postured like that and lived, yeah. you know, not many. Yeah. And the people that did were, were probably, were posture, they were probably faking it and pulling yeah. it out of that life, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's like a, it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. And I don't know where that's heading because that kind of popular 
imagery that's associated with the music that's popular at the time as well, it doesn't tend to decline. You know, it doesn't yeah. tend to like become more. You know, being conservative isn't cool. You know, and like and becoming more sort of um, prudish or whatever isn't something that happens. You know, there's not. You know, there's there's reasons that eight year old kids know the words and uh, you know the the tune to wet ass pussy. You know, it's like it's not it's that's not that's not something that's gonna disappear. You know, children aren't gonna suddenly not be exposed to that anymore. It's just gonna rapidly yeah, go. And I'm definitely. not like a fear mongering. I'm not like oh my god, think of the children. Oh my yeah. god, because that's that's just silly anyway. Because you don't have any control over it anyway. And that's people governing what their children listen to, whatever. That's basically on them. But you do kind of have to wonder. It's like, is it gonna come to the point where musicians are so separate from the music? That the the posturing is just like at another level. Like yeah. it's just because uh, you know you'd way rather have someone like X alive without the demons making as as a person or just making any kind of music than murdered. Yeah, you know for sure. And I think like lots of people like would say that anyway. You know, I remember I was listening to a podcast about Kurt Cobain, and there was an interview with Courtney Love like. No, maybe a day or two days after he had committed suicide and she's basically because at the end of his, his suicide note he had written um, the lyrics from a Neil Young song that was like it's it's better to burn out um, than to fade away and she was basically like at the end of the statement to the public she's like they're like is there anything you want to say to Kurt's fans mm. and she's like it's not better to burn out than to fade away like it's not there's nothing glamorous yeah. in this like I found we found him Dead after shooting himself in the head, he like there, there's there's not that's the end of his story, and that's the end. You know, you know what I mean. And like it's this weird sort of curiosity aura that surrounds that, and always will. But how do you how do you stop that from happening? Like it's it's a weird part of the human psyche that just isn't really understandable. Yeah, and and I mean, are we are we really just seeing this in? People that are famous, like celebrities, or you know, nah, is, is everyone, it, yeah, it happens to everybody. And I don't think them being famous is like a prerequisite to that, you know. Yeah. It's still, and, a, still an addition, nonetheless, for sure. But the people that are famous and are doing drugs and harming themselves or harming others, that that there's there's people doing that that aren't famous. Mm. So people, there's a whole bunch of people that are doing that. It's far more common for people to, have been, to not be famous yeah, than to be doing sure, that. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it just happens to be that these people are elevated and that their story is allowed some continuum without their existence, you know. There's so many people, even as we speak right now, that are probably living that same sort of lifestyle. It's just it's not glamorous or it won't be spoken about afterwards because yeah. there's no one to do it for them. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that's the... The channel at which though we start looking as to how we deal with the situations is through celebrities because they they are the ones that the stories get told. You know, you yeah. get to see really firsthand how these things sort of pan out and how people act or you know what their decisions are at at a point where not everything's working out for them. You know, yeah. you, you get to see how it's all working out or not working out. I suppose in those cases, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna do what I said about the the last time we spoke. I think about um, we spoke about the guards, the British guards. I was like, <laughs> we're talking about some movie shit. Let's work some funny shit. What's the story about Kim Kardashian's son? 
Okay. Oh, with God. the painting. Okay, so... I don't so, know if this is funny, but I, f- I find this kind of funny. I haven't like, actually seen the picture. I have, um, I have. You have seen the it picture. It looks like a Bob Ross painting, basically. Right. So, yes. Yeah, so so all, all I've heard about it, she's posted this picture yeah. um, saying, here's a, here's a painting that my, my daughter has done. Please be in awe of this painting. And everyone's basically going, there's no way in hell that you're however old daughter five or six year old daughter <laughs> has painted this miraculous like Van Gogh style painting yeah. and she's gone and she's real up in arms about it apparently saying this is ridiculous she's saying saying things like let, let children create and be free and that sort of thing where it's just like that's not the argument that's being made it's the fact yeah. that you've blatantly gone and well I mean I don't know what the truth is I feel like there is Definitely a good reason to believe that she has had someone commissioned to. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. It's not. It's not unfathomable, like, is it? You know, it's pretty crazy to think that a child of that age could paint something as crazy as that. But this is also me saying this without actually seeing the picture. But from what I've heard, it's pretty like it's, it's, it's really pretty like the next Van Gogh yeah, painting. If sure. it was actually true, you know. I just like, man. If I had a child, even if they weren't Northwest or whatever, the you know, he could. Kids, I don't, I don't know how many kids she has. But anyway, I would not be putting my kids on social media. No, like, I it know is, it's it really strange, common it? for people to sort of post photos, like of their babies, I understand. You know, like your wife gives birth or you, you give birth yeah. um, and you're, you know, sort of like we're, we're, we're proud to um, introduce, w- welcome little Mordecai to the world, <laughs> to the world right? Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're about to, to welcome Ishmael. Mordecai with a T? Ishmael. Um, <laughs> Mort, Mordecai. Mordecai. Um, yeah, like, that's, I understand that, it's, but it's, like, it's, yeah. it can't be in, in good for case, a kid to no, just... No, they're so to, glamorized and, and dressed up in all these crazy outfits. And to not know, and, like, yeah. there's no way the kid understands that's the concept of social media and, and his yeah. face is everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, so strange. Fun. Very strange. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, man. It's, it's so, it is so bizarre, but we're so... I say we like generally society is accustomed to that now, and and like you want to, people want to follow like celebrity families and things and want to see the kids. So it's it's just and also at the same time, like uh, another way I look at that is you know, um, I, I probably can't really make the case for this in, in Kim, Kim Kardashian, but you know, you, your goal in in, in life well, for most people is to is to do as best as you can, earn as much as you can. Typically, grow, develop wealth so that your offspring can enjoy and life. Offspring's offspring's yeah, offspring's exactly. You know. They definitely have enough money. So in that case, that's that's really what they're happening. They're just treating their children with what they've achieved in their life. So I I get that. You know, you you treat, but yes, there's obviously a fine line. But it's kind of hard when you're someone like Kim Kardashian that has 200 million followers on Instagram to not have be bombarded at least with questions like even if you if you, you throw the 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 news out there that you've had a child you're going to be getting things from left right and center mm. people wanting to know about this and that you know and the crazy when, when does it stop yeah like when 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 is she just like is there ever going to be a day where she's just like hey i'm going to delete my instagram yeah i'm just going to stop it's crazy yeah. I'm just gonna stop. i've got I, I just, i've got billions of dollars I'm I think in stop. her case, I think she can't. She's like, I feel to like it. that is her job in a way. 
you know. It's past her job. Yeah. It's a it's who she is. Yeah. She she's is like, an Instagram profile. She is the epitome of the social media era. Yeah. I think she's Crazy. the poster child of the social media yeah. era. The whole family is. Definitely. But it's like why keep going? Yeah. Like what what more is there literally I like and I know you know, like I saw an interview with like um Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins talking about this. He's like you know, they got their first number one, and he's like, "Okay, cool. Like, what's above number one? What's the next thing? Yeah. Well, like, what what's yeah. next? Yeah. Well, exactly. It's not over. Like, I'm yeah. still going. That must be what she thinks every day. It's like, yeah. I've just made my impact on the world by essentially doing nothing. Basically, isn't it? Like, I mean, you know, what? Who has she really positively impacted? Mm. Nobody really. Well, you know, it's probably debatable, but uh, we could debate it, but. I mean, like on I'm not saying scale, she, yeah. There's definitely. I'm not saying she's a waste of space or anything. No. I think some people would say that though, but I'm, I don't think she's a waste of space. I just, I don't think that she's somebody who should be lauded or. Hmm. I just. She she's someone though that like that that has typically been the case throughout her life, but like actually now that she, you know, she's she's had children and and she's the age that she's at now. She's actually done a lot with the position that she's been in and the money that she's been giving, putting them into businesses and things that she started up as yeah, well. Yeah, but for on what? A small, yeah, like on a small, she's at least turning things over a wee bit, you know. She's, she's not drastically changing anything. No, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know shit about Kim Kardashian, but like from what I've experienced or seen or heard, you know. <laughs> Kim Kardashian's the one fan of here. <laughs> Jesus. No, no, I don't yeah. know, man. No, Fucking hell, I'm so tired, dude. Yep. This was fun though. This rap, was good. This, I was glad you you dragged dragged me in here. That sounds whoa, terrible. Oh, <laughs> you invited me over here. Pal. I did. I definitely did. I definitely did. And I need to. I I need to give myself more positive reinforcement. And because I like when I'm in here, but for some reason struggled to get myself here. We have been talking for ages though. We're probably gonna have to cut this time. up a little bit. I would say. Why? I don't know. It's just gonna be long. No, it's good. That's what I want. Too much, too much of my dumbass. Nah, we all good. We'll right. just cut that part with the fireworks. But <laughs> I think that's and good. all the parts of me singing. We'll just cut every sure every time you spoke. I'll just edit that out, and I'll just have me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. what the people want. Yeah, that's fair. Brilliant. Yeah, right. um, and that part where I revealed the secret to happiness and wealth accumulation. Oh yes. In seven well, easy steps. We'll get rid of that because <laughs> that's who <laughs> that needs it. No, I mean yeah. it's it's done and dusted. I mean we'll we'll keep that for ourselves. Yeah. But um, I want I do want people to look into if you go and Google um and look up is Kieran Cromer part of the lizard person cabal running the world? You find some very interesting results. All right, they might not be related to the question that you type it in has Google. To be that but exactly because yes. if you throw in the other words there, you yes. get into some funny. Yes, if you put pages. in the other keywords and then you're going to find some insane conspiracy theory nonsense, and that's not what I want. I want you to find the truth about Kieran Cromer, the lizard person cabal leader. I think everyone should know. And that. if you find out, we'll get you on the podcast and we'll talk a little bit. Yeah, um, don't forget to call in on our hotline. Uh, let us know what you find out. Um, phone me personally. I won't be giving my number out on this. You have to find it yourself. But Can if you it. find it, phone me. Let me know what you think. Brilliant. Yep. All right. Thanks, Lynn. Thank Appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> 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 what a fucking exit. Home, home. audio, entertainment.
artists of all kinds. Sit down and relax. Enjoy the music.